Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Our movie this week is The Rocketeer. Go ahead and press, uh, put in your DVD or Blu-ray, press play, and press pause when Walt Disney Pictures title card fades to black. At the first time you receive a ball black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point, I'll press play. You'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary. Put to four friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Darkman Scott. Hello. And Trey, the Rocket Man Stokes. Hey. It was you the whole time, man. It was. It's my secret identity. Yeah, I, I don't think the Disney logo fades to black. I think it becomes a hangar door. But yeah, that's why we. But you'll you'll figure it out with the title card there instead of the logo for the movie. So I hadn't seen this movie. Like I knew this was a movie for my whole life. I'd always what? kind of wanted You've to see seen it. The Rocketeer. I yeah, hadn't, I hadn't oh, seen it's, it. It's just jumping ahead. This is kind of a curated movie because I can't believe people haven't seen The Rocketeer. It's freaking awesome. So I hadn't seen it, and like I, I, my whole life, I'd always been like, I, I'll bet you if I ever saw The Rocketeer, I'd like it, and I just never did. Never rented it. Never popped up on Netflix. And then one day, a couple weeks ago, I was going through HBO Go, which I legally pay for. And <laughs> he does. No, sir. He's yeah. the one. It's, it's me. And everyone else is just borrowing my password. Yeah. <laughs> Teague is financing Game of Thrones. That's me. That's all me. You guys, I, I have to buy. He doesn't even watch it. I have to yeah. buy a lot of sandals. Let me tell you. But uh, it was like, hey, Rocketeer, I'll, I'll finally get to watch this. And I watch it. And holy shit, this is great. Uh, yeah, I, I roundly enjoyed it. The things that I didn't enjoy uh, basically just boil down to I, the, the weird like Jaws guy that's chasing them around the whole time at the end of the movie, his face upsets the tone of the movie a little bit for me. But other than that, it's, it's an I, in joke that doesn't quite work. Oh, I look forward to understanding sort of the context of the joke. Cause for me, it was just like, well, that's weird. No one else in this movie looks anything like that. Uh, that would work in Roger Rabbit, maybe. But in any case, I love the Rocketeer. Oh, uh, Dick Tracy. I had a good, yeah, a exactly. Yeah. Face. Uh, I had a good time with it. Uh, they were, maybe there will be Iron Man jokes forthwith. Um, yeah, but that's just because you you kids don't know Commando Cody and and what these things are actually based on. Yeah, I don't know any of these serial thingies, but this is another thing. Like, it's kind of it's weird. I hadn't thought of this, but it's basically just another Star Wars or Indiana Jones. It's they took an old pulpy sort of thing you could do and, and it, did it again. And with, it's consciously that that was their conscious attempt yeah. to. They were trying to do the third one. franchise like that. Yeah, yeah, didn't quite take. But people loved Iron Man, so. Well, it was Disney. Disney wanted, you know, something like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. <laughs> and at the time, they couldn't just and buy it. it. Kind of a radical concept. It's based on a graphic novel, which is kind of a crazy way to make a movie. But that's oh, where it came from. Who would ever try that? Yeah, Any, anyway, but I had a great time with it. And when it came up as a possible thing we could do here, I was surprised to find that Mike had just seen it for the first time recently yeah. as well. Which, what? It came up a while ago. And all you guys go, I haven't seen The Rocketeer. I was like, you've seen... The Ewok adventure 50,000 times and you've never seen the Rocketeer. I'm what, sorry. What is wrong with the planet we live on? Anyway, Brian, I'm assuming that you'd seen this years ago as well. Yeah, I saw it in the theater as a kid. I remember very distinctly watching it. And then uh, I never really went back and revisited it for whatever reason. Um, I think we just didn't happen to buy the VHS at the time, you know, when we had bought the other things. Uh, and then I think I watched it again in college you know at some point but it, for whatever reason like maybe i fell asleep or something i don't know it didn't make an impression so i was actually really nervous to go back and watch this in preparation for this uh because i i liked it as a kid and i was really really scared that it wouldn't hold up and it completely and totally <laughs> holds up really really well um screw you so lucky bastard uh so i i'm actually kind my of, movie doesn't hold up i'm kind of regretful i haven't had this in heavier rotation for the last <laughs> like 20 years 25 years because it could have been better late than never yeah but i'm i'm happy that i'm really really happy and relieved that it did hold up and talk about pilot porn 
Yeah. <laughs> Talk about, well, it's, you know, we've, we've talked about doing the aviator before and I'm sure we will eventually. And I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of the aviator aviator because it plays at this juncture of two worlds that I love aviation and that classic Hollywood world. And it, I knew intellectually on I remembered on some level that Rocketeer also did that, but I, it just didn't like, Oh yeah, this completely is everything I love about <laughs> this kind of, this style of movie. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably just going to like fanboy about rediscovering his lost love of mine. <laughs> nice. Mike, what, what did you expect out of your Rocketeer viewing experience? Um, I thought it was going to be like, I thought, it, I thought it was going to be exactly what it ended up being. I was like, it's going to be a fun throwbacky Indiana Jones sort of old Hollywood guy with a jetpack movie. Yep. Yeah, I kind of figured on that, I guess. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious in, in discussing because I was watching it and I, I thought it was good. I didn't, I didn't like, um, like super love it, but I thought it was good. Um, and it's certainly impressive, especially, uh, for the time, a lot of the effects stuff. I'm like, how in the hell? <laughs> um, and, what I'm interested, what I'm interested in figuring out is why it's not a bigger deal, a classic. Yeah, yeah why it's not. That's, that's a thing the mystery that, to me when I found yeah. out that it's somehow it's not on the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, because because it certainly feels like it has a lot of, and there's some. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll talk about it because I'm because I'm interested in in discussing why because it certainly is a fun movie. It's it has all the pieces there, and I'm I'm yeah. curious why it didn't take. Right, as you yeah. said, uh, the way like Back to the Future or, or something like that did. So yeah, it's weird. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I I thought it was fine. I came, you know, I I watched it um on the the plane while I was traveling, and then I came back and I was like, I saw the Rocketeer. Let's do it, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. at which point Trey was like, Yay! Finally, yeah. uh, everyone's on board. Yeah. So yeah, I I I definitely did, and I'm I'm curious to uh ex- try to explore why maybe this isn't a bigger deal. Trey? When this when this first came out, and I'm sure it's still available, it came out as a, a large format graphic novel. Right around like Watchmen was like eighty eight or something ish, right? This would have been around that time because I just remembering how I happened to see a copy of the graphic novel. A friend got it for a birthday present at a dinner party, and someone said, "Here's your present." You opened it. Up. I was like, "Oh, the Rocketeer!" I've been wanting to see it, and I flipped through the first couple of pages, and I was like, "Oh, this looks like a cool thing." But I'm not into comics, so forget that idea. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, it comes out as a movie. It's like, "Oh, I remember that that graphic novel." It's okay. That's fun. Sounds cool. Sounds retro. Let's go see it. Um, thought it was great. Didn't do well. Was not a hit. This movie did not do well at all, which is certainly part of the reason why, you know, it just didn't catch at the time. Um, but I would catch it on cable because I was like, yeah, I always liked that movie and I always, always liked it over and over again. And it had a lot of it. I love, you know, it's hit, it hit some of my sweet spot too. I, I love period Hollywood stories where you sort of move in and out of what was really happening in Hollywood yeah, and, yeah. and kind of thread a needle that well, way. Well, I always love those. That yeah. that threading into history. Yeah, all the time, I, I'm a big fan Hollywood of that kind too. of if that's a genre or whatever yeah. we would call that. Um, I love that kind of stuff myself, and and so I hadn't seen it in a while. I, I revisited it last night in preparation for this because I hadn't. You know, it's one of those movies that I felt like I seen so many times I didn't need to see it much, and so I rewatched it again. And I was struck by how good this movie yeah. is. This movie is beautifully crafted, yeah, and and exquisitely done. And the effects, other than some optical compositing, which is just you know was always hard to do, the effects are amazing to this day. And everything, I think, it's mind boggling that this movie should be on the shelf right next to Raiders. I think I yeah. think it's like right up there. It's like the same. If you if you like Raiders, you should like this movie. There's there's really no difference between them. 
um, as far as like, well, if you like this one, why don't you should like this one too? And as far as like setup and payoff of script crafting, it's right up there with Back to the Future in terms of like every, there's not a moment that isn't a setup that isn't a payoff later. Yep. And why it didn't you, catch. Now you guys are putting me in this weird conspiracy theory zone. Like there's, yeah. it's really specifically why? supposed to work. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's, it's wonderfully done. And Joe Johnston, who I was like, I was like, at the time it was like, he, he had done Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He had that. He'd done that one. So it was like, okay, you know, and Joe Johnson was a name that I knew because uh, he was, because I was that nerd who bought all the Star Trek art books, Star, Star Wars art books. And I knew that Joe Johnson was like the storyboard guy and, you know, concept artist for Star Wars. And I was like, oh, good. He got a movie of his own, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, wacky comedy went really well. Good for him. Rocketeer was the big prestige one. Tanked. You know, oh, fuck. Bummer for Joe Johnson. And took him, you know. He yeah. did, you know, they did Jumanji and that was okay. And then he did, you know, and then he got to Jurassic Park and now he's getting, you know, Captain America he just came out with. So, you know, he's doing good. So he crawled his way back up after. Yeah, but know, he should have, yeah. he should have been Spielberg but, after this. Yeah, movie. but for yeah, all of the, the, the heinous crime of having made the Rocketeer. Yeah, of having made the Rocketeer, like, which is still his favorite movie that he's made of, uh, for me, of his, of his work so far. I have not seen The Winter Soldier, but, um, it's fun. It's good. Wasn't and, but it sounds. Oh, that's he's the first one. That's right. Yeah, he, the uh, soldier, uh, Winter Soldier. Which again, right in his wheelhouse. Period. Thirties. You know, forties. Yeah. yeah. Thing. Action, yeah. That's you know. Again, when I heard Joe Johnson, who was doing the Captain America movie, and it was mostly going to be a period piece. I was like, right on. That's exactly where he should be working. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really struck, and it is. You know, we have to f- try and figure out again. It's like why? Why didn't this movie catch on? A lot of people blame the lead, and I don't think he's. No. I don't think Billy Campbell's doing anything wrong. He's, nope. It's not like you go, "Oh, he sucks." It's a shame the movie's great and he sucks because he doesn't. It's, it's somehow he doesn't get. He doesn't hit it. He doesn't become Harrison Ford. Somehow he doesn't hit that level. Yeah, but he's clearly at least Mark Hamill. Yeah, and he's he's great. <laughs> he's fine. So, so yeah, the mystery of why this Mark movie, Hamill didn't knock Star Wars out of the park. Why either. you kids don't love this movie as much as Raiders? I do not understand. But but it's not too late. This is your chance to to do that. Cool. You're at the point where the title card, Walt Disney Pictures, fades to black. Not the actual like studio logo, just the title card. Uh, like we are here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. And we're in. Joe Johnson's background as, uh, you know, I well, was thinking, it was actually before the Walt Disney. I always think of him as a, as a storyboard or, artist. Um, no books if you asked to. Is none of this matters. I was <laughs> thinking of him as a storyboard artist. And you, it really shows up in this opening sequence with the planes and the way it just the, the, the shot choices of this whole opening scene with the planes is every every shot is a beautiful beautiful work of art and really you know really interestingly staged and most of the movie is that way really really well established camera angles the only place where it kind of turns into sort of mayhem and i think probably my suspicion is because it's kind of well it's like we have to rely on a lot of effect shots is the the mayhem in the nightclub kind of becomes a bit of a hash but everything else is just beautifully choreographed and beautifully directed i think and uh, the other thing that blows me away is maybe is, it was marketing it's you know it's like i i don't remember the i just remember this movie not being hit and boy it should have been and yet it wasn't it's I, a real shame but the you know it's it didn't do well at the time, didn't make much of an impression at the time, even though I watched it and said, this is really good. My initial, it, it is really good and it's, it's wonderfully crafted and all put together, but I think the, the problem, well, I, I've been thinking about it and, and the first thing that comes to mind is it's, everything is, everything is well done, but there's, other than kind of the look of the Rocketeer, there's nothing, 
iconic in it. Like there are no really memorable lines. Uh, the the music, you know, the score is good, but there, it's nothing you come out humming necessarily. Uh, and and it's just sort of there, there's nothing to really latch onto to in in your brain to make you fall in love with it and be like I'm gonna watch that whole movie again just for that one scene or that one right. you know uh, thing which which <laughs> I think Raiders has and Back to the Future has and all these other Jennifer Connelly doesn't even have those breasts anymore yeah. so what we, you know, there's nothing left of this movie now <laughs> that that might be part of it there's there is no good like really distinctive memorable hook yeah it could be a thing where whereas, just, whereas Raiders Raiders has like dozens of them it has the rolling rock and it has the they're digging in the wrong yeah, place and singing the, weird song the, and and you know the, the, the where does it hurt scene and, the chat room is just discovered yeah the guy from Lost is in this among yeah. other things so, Howard so, fucking Hughes Howard Hughes yeah by the way if you watch Justified there's a woman who's a huge major character in Justified as a bit part in this one also Jennifer Colony when she had the breasts I wonder so. if it's this I wonder if it's when you're watching a, a, a classic throwback hero's journey sort of movie like this at that point in time, now they're all that. But when you're watching that then, the the major takeaway from a lot of what people were learning about Hero with a Thousand Faces was if you start with this incredibly humble, relatable everyman, and you don't necessarily think of pilots as being you. You can't relate to a pilot whose life gets cooler after being a <laughs> pilot already the way you get, you know, you'd feel about a farm boy or even like a professor like a teacher, uh, you know, pilot. Uh, it already seems like it's not relatable enough. Indy was Indy was pretty cool. For you, yeah, like yeah. you can forget that he was a, a teacher. I think. I think a lot of people forget that part. You know, if they grew up on Indy, they're like, oh yeah, there's that whole thing where I guess he's a professor or something. They only remember him as the adventurer. Now it's true. Oh, that well, this, maybe that's the thing. This is between hero's journey, relatable guy, and superhero guy. Well, it's a you know, pilot. He's it, they they go out of their way to establish that he's not like you know a hot. Sh- he, he wants to be a famous pilot if there is such a thing, but he's you know he's struggling to get by. And of course, if 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 nothing else, they start by going, yeah, he's got a hot plane, which is now destroyed. You know, <laughs> so it's like again, you build the empathy. Like, well, that's bad. That's a shame for that guy. Um, let's just stop for a second and just marvel that this is all freaking practical. Everything yep. that goes on <laughs> in this opening scene and this plane. Is the GB is a real plane yeah. that existed and clearly exists because there it is, <laughs> and and look at that thing because this thing was a death trap. The real one is as well because look at it; it's an engine with just enough plane wrapped around it to be a plane, and it's oh, so it's ferociously powerful. It's made to to do air stunts and so on, and it's a complete death trap. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a plane originally from from the 30s from the period, and there are a couple uh, replicas uh, floating around out there now. And obviously, a couple of them were used. This one, and then there's a another one at the yeah. end of the movie that they used for filming. The, and they they. Um, but as far as I know, all of the ones that are in the real world are replicas of the uh, original planes from the 30s. Yeah, I wouldn't fly an original one. <laughs> no, they actually. <laughs> I wouldn't go near one. They they built one. They built one for production, and and people who knew the planes were like, this this is a better plane than the real one. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> made of better parts. And yeah, stuff like that. So so they at least for Brian and me, if nothing else, there's the the combo porn. Brian gets the aviation porn, which I am certainly into. Also, at the time, ninety one, when this movie came out, right around the time I was working at the Queen Mary, and I would go to the Spruce Goose every day. So oh, I was all like, man. had you know Howard Hughes in my I brain. Still see the Spruce Goose. Spruce Goose is amazing, and there's a Spruce Goose reference in here, yeah. which also is interesting because now 
the spruce goose has kind of fallen from the consciousness and yeah. maybe not wasn't wasn't part of the national consciousness but here in LA this movie might have been just a little too inside baseball with its hollywood history because there's lots of it to the point where some of it's maybe too much of an homage to things that people don't relate to but anyway so there's a spruce goose reference in it and that's much later with howard hughes but but um but all the little hollywood touches and and so on are just uh, are fascinating and the combo of yes there's the airplane industry of the 30s and Howard Hughes and that crosses us over into the into the movie industry of the 30s that this movie's referencing. And it's funny that they put Hughes so only in the airplane side of things yeah. when Hughes was just as involved in Hollywood uh, as he was. I, I had that same thought. Why doesn't he show up at the club or something like that? You yeah, because it's this movie is playing at this at this juncture of history in two totally separate when he was industries. In both worlds. When he was exactly that juncture in real life himself. Yeah. yeah. So it's odd to to have him play such a central role in the movie, but not take advantage of the fact that yeah. this movie's pivot point is he the same be as the that gateway. pivot point. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, but, um, but, you know, but that's a quibble. I mean, that's something that we can look at. But the fact that even Billy Campbell there, clearly they've strapped him into some goddamn thing and flown it around no, it was, and sprayed oil at him and, and shot all that stuff in midair. Yeah, no, it was a, it's, uh, it was a modified biplane that had three cockpits. So there was the, so the pilot, the camera yeah. and cameraman, and then the, the prop that they were pointing backwards and just flying around and spraying yeah. stuff at him. that's yeah, how exactly. we used to do movies kids <laughs> that's why we used to lose actors a little more often than we do now too but, <laughs> yeah what are you gonna do that's the cost of doing business one of the things i love you know in addition to the fact that they you know they've got these period cars certainly reproductions and planes and everything else but it's all practical and you know when these these actors are driving these I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I don't think I'd be able to drive a car like that because I can't drive stick. So I'd be like, I can't even drive one of these things. Yeah, let alone like a you know, 60, yeah. 70 year old stick. Yeah, what the hell? I mean, I certainly can't fly a, a GB. But um, but so, yeah, just the practical, the physical practical. Just that complexity. shot right there. Cause yeah. The, the car, it, it had to literally have happened. Yeah. The car takes off the one landing boom of yeah. the plane. And it's done with, you know, if you look again. If you go to IMDb or Movie Mistakes or whatever, they'll tell you, you can see the cable. Yeah, thank you. Shut up. But yes, you know. The, yeah. Actually, this was one of the early examples of uh, using digital technology for wire removal. Yeah, there is some. So. Yeah, so what you what you see is what they didn't remove. But there is there is just the bare beginnings of that going on in this movie. But, um, but you know, massive amounts of practical effects going oh, yeah. on. Especially later, the scene that blew me away when, in retrospect when I watched it yesterday was the scene coming up when they're, they're having the air show and three planes are just blazing by in yeah. tight, tight, tight formation like they're the Blue Angels with a camera plane right amongst them or a chopper or whatever they're shooting it from. It's just like, holy mackerel. No one ever does that anymore. <laughs> so just from a production standpoint, this movie is amazing. But then, but then... I was just marveling in this sort of the perspective that I have now where I, I'm much more focused on examining plot points and so on than I than I ever was any previous viewing of this movie about the amazing, you know, setup, 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 and the and the beautiful construction of who knows what when that only relies on, you know, crazy movie coincidence like once to kind of skip over a, a certain plot point and move things along. But uh, the fact that everything kind of connects and you understand, okay, that's why that he knows that. And then that leads him to this idea and that leads him to this idea. And the fact that they've got this massive group of all these different potential villains. You don't know who the villain is really yet for quite some time who all want the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
and and everyone has a clear reason you understand why they want it and and you understand why the hero doesn't want to give it to him even though he's the good guy he just wants to hang on to it for a little while and so the way that's all orchestrated is is just very beautifully you know like clockwork put together i think it's got to be merchandise uh, marketing it's got to be marketing like I, I feel like most people who... It's hard to say, say because, of well, course, so, we don't remember the marketing now. Yeah, so. and, and, but, I mean, it, it didn't launch well, but, you know, movies that resonate can get found on video, you know, and, and this one yeah. seems to have completely... For some people, I mean, Brian Brian was exposed to it, but it just wasn't... It just somehow, it didn't... It may, it may have been that initial, oh, my God, you got to see it. It didn't have that, so people didn't seek it out like they seek out Raiders, like, oh, Raiders, oh, my God, since that's on video, you got to watch it because it's the greatest movie ever. Right. Uh, Yeah, I feel like there was just some kind of word of mouth aspect of it that didn't catch for some chaos theory-esque reason. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. They kind of just alchemy that makes movie people just insane. Like, we did everything right. You totally did. Good luck next time. Sorry. Good luck next time. Billy Campbell's like, so I'm not going to be a big... I'm afraid not. You're not going to be a big movie star. So close. So close, but no. Which, uh, that might have been the part I was most nervous about because I I remember that, you know, whoever the lead was was not a guy that I would know now. Uh, You see him in stuff. He's he's working steadily, but he's never been the big star. Um, And yeah, I actually looked at his IMDb and I was like, what has this guy done since? Like... Did he do this? It was a flop, and then he went and ran a Burger King in yeah. Iowa somewhere. No, he's no, he's, he's done, he still works. Been on long running TV series yeah. and everything else. So. Um, but I was like, uh, he's not may- starving. Maybe that's why. Maybe the lead was just terrible, and I just didn't know it as a kid at the time. Mm. But no, he's he's, he's very he's solid. solid. Yeah. There's something he doesn't quite. There I, is, he's not quite for, for whatever makes Harrison Ford Harrison Ford. Yeah, he doesn't quite get there. But he's perfectly fine. He's perfectly yeah. great in this. You know, it does he does exactly what he's right. supposed to do. Well, that's a, that's the problem. All, all of this is perfectly fine. It's not. It just great. It somehow you know. doesn't have that. Yeah. Whatever. And then that I think we really are talking about alchemy because I don't think until the day you release it in theaters, you knew if you had Raiders of the Lost Ark or you had the Rocketeer. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, you just don't because it's like if you put them side by side without. Any veneer of this one's beloved by millions for decades, and this one disappeared without a trace. Side by side, you would go. I, that's like a yeah, the best awesome. double feature I can imagine. I mean, you know, I, whoever. Uh, one of the guys, uh, folks in the chat, which still has the guest name, so I don't know specifically who it is. Guest three eight eight nine two four. Why aren't you at your hey. post? Uh, <laughs> has, same summer as T two has pointed out that it's 91. same summer as T two, so it could have gotten. Well, but and that one was massive. Summers, so. summers can have more than one hit, but it's true. It's possible that it, you know. I feel free anyone with a with a data device, uh, if you own one, to look it up and see if it was. When you know, they probably wasn't the same weekend, but it may well yeah. have been. That is one of the possibilities. Another movie's open in ninety one. That was a big year. You know, every summer something opens. Maybe it got. Maybe it foot faulted out of the gate because T two crushed it and it never recovered. I mean, you know, these things can happen too. Hmm. Yeah, T two is in maybe its third week or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, hey, you know, still we, going strong. I made a movie called Starship Troopers, not by myself. Some other people helped, and and we had a great opening weekend. And then this Titanic movie opened the next weekend, and and then we weren't quite so good anymore as far as making money. So that can happen. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, T two opened about two okay. weeks after yeah, this one. Yeah, so did. Rocketeer, oh, Rocketeer. So it wasn't that. Um, 
So, well, it wasn't the same weekend, but you could easily see Terminator 2 having legs. Yeah, but as I recall, and, you know, I, and I could be misremembering, but I just remember the Rocketeer just kind of didn't catch fire right from the yeah. get-go. It wasn't like right. it was knocked out by by. Maybe G2. it's tone. Hmm. This isn't quite as dark. I, li- I think it's as, a great prop, by the way. It's an amazing. Which they, they built prop. to mostly that thing blasts fire. Maybe uh, not that one necessarily, but when you see him wearing it, it's augmented with animated fire, but they put some flamethrowers in that real bitch. fire coming out of the thing most of the time. This isn't as dark as, as Raiders was. This isn't quite as real feeling as Back to the Future was, even though they're both period pieces for the most part, which that's weird. It doesn't feel as real yeah, as Back to the that Future. That scene was just cribbed right from Back to the Future. That was Marty with a guitar with a black with a oh, backpack. I'm instead. talking about the tone of the whole movie, though, not just the scene. Like it well, doesn't. The, it doesn't isn't feel it weird like, that Back to the Future can survive a yeah. very cartoony opening scene that yeah. isn't matched by the rest of that movie. Yeah, it's weird. It's, but this Alchemy, like man. in my head right now, The Rocketeer is a movie I would show to a younger person than any of the other movies I just listed. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it it, it doesn't it doesn't feel harmless. I guess it does feel harmless. Maybe there's just not much actual menace going on. To well, there's a, there's a guy crushing a guy with the bare, his bare hands. <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's a guy being incinerated on screen. It's got, it's, got, it's got the violence that we all enjoy. Getting incinerated in close-up, no less. Yeah, and screaming, all that. It's all good. Hmm. Two guys. I, I, I was thinking of a different guy, but yes, oh. two guys. Two guys get incinerated on screen <laughs> in separate scenes, and we get to watch <laughs> them both scream as they die. I'm trying to figure this out. There's got to be some thing, though. I wonder. I wonder. How does it? Has anyone checked the Rotten Tomatoes for this? Is it uh, actually uh, a thing that just like it's just it's, us weirdos that like it a lot, but most people didn't like it? Or no, if, if it's if so. it's like universally loved, then there's got to be some other reason. I, Mike Mike may well have hit it. It's like this is a perfectly well made movie that doesn't quite transcend, which is a shame. That you know, yes, you can do everything absolutely flawlessly, and still people go, yeah, yeah, it was a good effort. That was nice. Like no, you should you should love this movie. Why don't you? So I'm gonna take a moment. This is where I may go out on a limb. But Timothy Dalton, ladies and gentlemen, I love 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 me some Timothy Dalton. He'd already been Bond at this point. He's he's been Bond and is no longer Bond when he okay. did this movie. Yeah, we're almost into Pierce Brosnan. This, this is this is post post his and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I think he was awesome as James Bond and I think his two movies are among my favorite James Bond movies. I think he was great. Um, I haven't got to him, but I see it totally. I, and it's it's really I, it's especially fun. I think the Living Daylights is is first of all got the craziest stunt scene that's ever been done in a Bond movie, and that's saying a lot. Um, but uh, and also you have to see the Living Daylights because, of course, in that movie you will see James Bond just as Rambo did at the same time. James Bond helping the noble Afghani freedom fighters repel the foreign invaders, which Yay, is something, Taliban, which is something that yeah, the Taliban are the good guys in that movie because they were in real life at the time. But that ball just keeps on bouncing. But uh, the he, I thought he was great as Bond, and I think he's extra great in this. I, I I think he's fantastic in this, and I love Timothy Dalton doing comedy because I think he's fantastic at doing comedy. I wonder if people thought this was a kids movie. It kind of is a kids movie. movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, but so, so even though the graphic novel wasn't. Well, uh, Back to the Future and Raiders are all you could you could bring a ten year old to see any of these movies, but this one, I wonder if people specifically thought it was a kids movie as opposed to just well, a family movie because kids movies don't make money. Well, uh, well, my, well, well, my point is, I don't think the kids thought it was a kids movie, and the, didn't come. but the but the adults didn't go because the adults didn't go because they thought it was a kids movie as yeah. opposed but, but to they it went should to, have been a kids movie, but it wasn't that either for some reason. So. No one knew who was supposed to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's possible. It's like, you know, it wasn't quite it's 
again for whatever reason it's, it's interesting i remember i remember there was some talk about the ad campaign yeah for me it's kind of like i go there's a guy with a rocket pack and a big old commando cody helmet on i'm totally in what are you kidding me but maybe there's not as many of me as i'd like to think but uh i, I for me it's like right in my zone he also i i, I think part of it maybe you know and i'm sure this came down to like budget and expense and stuff but it's like there there isn't aside from the 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 air show scene which i guess is is it but like the final confrontation he doesn't spend a lot of time on the jetpack it's like he he uses it to get to the yeah the, i mean they've the kind club. of used it up yeah. i mean but that's i think that's that's fun plotting is yeah. the idea is like yes that's his superpower which he can't use and the plotting yeah. is he has to give it up just to 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 win um Fun fact, this is, I don't think, I think this is a set, but this is based on the Frank Lloyd Wright house, which is uh, out in uh, Los Feliz, or uh, on Los Feliz Boulevard. Um, there's that Frank Lloyd Wright house. that lo- It looks like this on the outside, too, but that's very much uh, taken from a, a iconic Frank Lloyd Wright house that's here in, in Los Angeles. I've been to Falling Water, or is that what it's called? Falling Water is not in Los Angeles. No, I know. It's in like West Virginia or something. It's, it's got a name. You can look it up. It's right down on Los Feliz Boulevard. It looks like that on the outside. It's that prefab cement faux Mayan cubicle thing. Well, with the with the repeating square pattern brick thing, it looks like a game, like like a something like, like a Golden Eye sixty four or something. Yeah. At the at the time when Frank Lloyd Wright did that, it was radical and progressive as all hell. Um, I like how the introduction of this guy, the Lothar, the guy with the crazy Dick Tracy face. Yeah. Is everything around him is so dainty? He's got little yeah, China teacups and a, little finger sandwiches. He, he is the brute squad, but he's into opera. And he's like, so, so for those who didn't catch it, and again, it's very, very inside baseball. Lothar is based on a real guy named Rondo Hatton. Rondo Hatton was a guy who was a perfectly average guy, but he developed this condition called acromegaly, which makes your bones never stop growing. Yeah, Andre the Giant. Exactly, Andre the Giant had it. And so he was, he, he became, he got this kind of, for lack of a better word, brutish, ogreish face and did a bunch of B-movies where he was the beast, he was called the Beast Man or something like that, where he was just this kind of ugly, brutish guy, and be like, I'm a big, scary guy. Right. So this character of Lothar is basically based on Rondo Hatton, um, and it was such a prestigious kind of, oh, we're doing a little homage to Rondo Hatton that, you know, sadly, you're not impressed by the makeup. Rick Baker did that makeup, only that makeup in this movie. He specifically did. <laughs> he the, came in just to do the reference. Just to do Lothar, yeah. just to do the Lothar makeup. And looking at it, it's like, yes, there is something, and I, I there was always something not quite satisfying with Lothar, and I think I may have figured it out on this last viewing because... It's it's meant to represent Acro- and it's based on a real guy who uh, his name is Tiny Ron or something like that because he's seven feet tall and so he plays like big people in movies and does a lot of costume work and so on. Um, from what I can see, sort of looking at it, I think what they did was make his face very very large, duh, because they're kind of simulate that acromegaly to the point where I don't think his lips are actually just under those lips. I think yeah. his, I think he's literally wearing something that's almost more of a monster mask. Hmm. And it's because when you look at him talking, it's like his mouth is like way back, way back under that mouth. Right. So it's just it's kind of somewhere It's not gripping his actual facial movements. Yeah, right. it's somewhere in between a makeup and a mask. Yeah, and therefore it doesn't quite read like a person's face. It reads kind of like a like a guy with a big fat rubber mask on, um, 
And especially when he's talking, which they de-emphasize as often as possible, it really, really doesn't seem to quite work, which is, you know, I, I, can, I, I can buy that. Yeah, I that, hate to be second guessing that Rick, Rick freaking Baker, but uh, you know, I'm, that's that's what it looks like to my eye. Anyway, I'm just spitballing. Uh, but um, but anyway, so the point is like, yeah, you go, who's that guy? Well, he's just, it's 1930s Hollywood and it's, it's basically based on Rondo Hatton. And if you don't know that, then it's a detail that makes you kind of go, it's kind of weird, not left field, some guy with a big monster head. I mean, what's that about? What movie is that mean, from? I feel like even not knowing the Rondo Hatton specifically. Well, again, I feel you, like it's you like weren't a, the one who said that, but others in the room did. I was, uh, but, uh, oh, that was me. But yeah. like but that I, guy I, with that face would not appear in Marriage of the Lost Ark, which is what made me think about tone. Yeah. But he would appear in a Bond movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's I mean, and that's how I took it. Though. It's like a general Bond reference slash yeah. Boris Karloff kind of reference, maybe. Yeah. So now, I I, back, it didn't bother me so much. I want to go back to a thing that Mike said right before we got yeah. off on the whole Rondo Hatton thing, which was he, he just said the four words, uh, crazy Dick Tracy face. And just as an expression, I like I, I find that sonically pleasing. <laughs> crazy <laughs> I, Dick Tracy I face. I can only hear that in the voice of Adam Sandler. I'm crazy Dick Tracy face. Yeah. I just Give me some candy. Didn't want that to go unremarked upon. I, I find that to be a very <laughs> that ple- needs to enter the lexicon. It's a, very ple- it's a very pleasing series of words. Is all crazy Dick Tracy face. That's all. Jennifer Connelly. Just there she is. There they are. So did she have a breast reduction? I think surgery? that's the story. Okay. Because when you see her in things like you know the John Hughes film she did early on, where it's like, wow, hello, you know, because it's all about her breasts in that movie. I think, I think, I mean, I, you know, I haven't followed Jennifer Connelly's breasts as closely as some have, but I remember hearing some. <laughs> sort sound of, like a Twitter account. I'm oh, sure they do yes. have two Twitter accounts actually, but um, I, I think I remember hearing that uh, she finally, you know supposedly is like, I don't want to be the girl with the breasts anymore. I want to be, you know, get nominated for Oscars and stuff. But I, you know, I don't know if that's actually true. Again, anyone who's not me talking into a microphone right now Do, is free to, it already, free to it access already. a data device. I just feel a little weird typing Jennifer Connelly's breasts. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. Uh, but, but <laughs> breasts, Safe search. Yeah. <laughs> off. Yeah. But breasts or no, she also I'm is outside of my bedroom. She also is great in this movie. Yes. She, she's great for, you know, you know, hey, that kid from Labyrinth is doing okay for herself. Good for her. That's nice. You know, yeah, she doesn't have a lot to do, but she well, I off think, and I, she looks really good in the clothing. We have to give the movie props that, you know, f- her for, and Kate for, Beckinsale pull this look off. Yeah. So well. for, and for following the 30s girl tropes where, you know, where you can't do much without, you know, <laughs> talking about breaking reality. I mean, they made her very proactive, very self-actualizing. She, you know, she she doesn't stand around and scream and get rescued. She she rescues herself. She, you know, she's. She's got a goal. She has things she wants to do. She has a career of her own. She she doesn't. She's dumping him because, you know, he's not supporting her in her career as much as she'd like, and so on. So, hmm. I think they've. I think that as a female character, especially in a PR period piece, uh, she's a pretty strong one here. And as an actress, that's not working a lot. Yeah, I'm going to research something. You guys keep talking. Uh, okay. This is where this is where movie mistakes are are bullshit. If you go to IMDb, someone will go. The movie says the Hindenburg, but but the Hindenburg had already blown up by this point. It's like, well, that's because the movie doesn't say that's the Hindenburg. Yeah. <laughs> the movie says that's the Zeppelin that will show up at the end of this movie. If you notice, there's a Zeppelin in this movie. <laughs> and this is the <laughs> that setup. Is rather prominently. This that, is the setup that this Zeppelin is coming to Los it, Angeles. But it does it does start from Lake Hurst, which is where. Uh, uh, yeah, like, space, yeah, again, they've they've taken the the truth and yeah, just yeah. bent it just enough. Yeah, that's not how the Hollywood land sign became yeah, the but, Hollywood sign but, either. But I see what you did there. So no, this is actually we just finished World War Z. This is actually a great double feature for aircraft based uh, near where I grew up <laughs> because 
I also I've been to Lakehurst uh, several times. I've been inside the hangar that they kept the Hindenburg in and at the actual physical spot where it crashed to the ground. Yeah. Uh, the chat so. room is actually pointing out that apparently supposedly it's it's never been confirmed that she had breast reduction. It's just a chit chat yeah. thing. Like, um, yeah, uh, that's what also, I'm finding. Again, as the as the chat room points out, it's like and there are plenty of reasons bes- besides your acting career to have breast reduction surgery, which is also true. Yeah, I've I've known at least two women who who had breast reduction surgery. Yeah, I've known just because life gets better if you have large breasts, uh, you can <laughs> actually you know not have so many back problems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Although I still think Hobby Lobby shouldn't have to pay for that because you know <laughs> they're just being sluts, but. Uh, so my research no, redu- reducing it Hobby Lobby would be all for it. Oh yeah, that's true. My research paid off. Uh our friend Roger Ebert put a his finger on a distinction <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, put his finger on a if distinction. You haven't seen life itself. Go out and see it. Put his finger on a distinction yeah, that might actually say be the it? thing. Uh here's the first paragraph of his three stars. So, you know, three yeah. stars, but here's the first paragraph of his review of The Rocketeer from June 21st, 1991. The hero of the Rocketeer is being marketed as a new action hero along the lines of Indiana Jones, but the difference between this movie and the indie series is fundamental, colon. Raiders of the Lost Ark took the Saturday afternoon serials of the late 1930s and 1940s as an inspiration, while the Rocketeer takes them as a model. Indy kitted them, the Rocketeer copies them. The movie lacks the wit and self-mocking irony of the Indiana Jones movies, and instead seems like a throwback to the simple-minded, clean-cut sensibility of a less complicated time. This doesn't mean the Rocketeer is not entertaining. Rest of review. Okay, so so it's, it is uh, tone. Tone is actually correct in that way. It, yeah, it doesn't quite have the wink, wink. It's played straighter than than Indiana Jones. And it, and it is true. As as I was watching it, I had to occasionally remind myself. Oh no, this isn't from the thirties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is. This the, was the made in the nineties. Including this diner, which is based on an actual diner that used to be on Washington Boulevard. Um, looked just like that. They copied it exactly. It wasn't up in the in the foothills, though. It was right here in town, back when town was Orange Groves. But uh, that 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 Bulldog Diner, you can find pictures of it. Used to be on on Washington Boulevard. And that wait, is it, wait on the Valley side or the LA side? Because Washington the downtown Washington Boulevard, like right. like Culver City. Oh, okay, yeah. There's, um, there, there's not a Washington Boulevard in the Valley, is there? No, no that's that's no, why that's why Culver I was City. Asking. Yeah, the, the former Valley, what we now call Culver City, but back when they were orange groves and stuff there, instead of you know studios, but um, instead of Sony. Yeah. Well, actually, well, strictly speak, Washington Boulevard goes all the way across town. Washington Boulevard at Culver City is where Culver Studios is, which did exist because that's where they made Gone with the Wind, among other things. So that that part of Washington existed. But uh, that's but, that's a way to be positive, Rob, in the chat room. He says life itself is pretty great. It is. <laughs> yeah. He's referring to the movie, which is true. I have, you know, I have a minor connection to the movie Life Itself, so I do plug it rather often. But uh, if you're interested in Roger Ebert, it's well worth seeing. But um, and there's William Sanderson, who you see in everything, including the Back to the Future, I believe, and everything else. Where, who is he in Back to the Future? He's one of the cowboys in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. oh it's it's and he's uh, uh, good evening, Jr. It's Jr. from uh, Blade Runner. If you're, oh yeah yeah, so yeah. okay, William, William Sanderson. He's in everything, Newhart, you name it. And there, if you're a watcher of the of the show Justified, uh, which I'm not, but I keep meaning to catch up on the uh, the woman behind the counter. There is Margot, who I think. I think was just nominated for an Emmy because she played like a, a major role in the series Justified the past season and supposed to be very noteworthy. This is back when she was just a character actress and, you know, doing stuff. I got to tell you, that's a good looking man. Bill Campbell, yeah. He's yeah. Been, been around. He, ever uh, since. When, I, when I looked him up, I was like, it could also guy, be that that haircut the, flatters everyone. Yeah. And the guy oh, with uh, the, the main guy I saw in the, uh, that, that I latch onto in this scene is uh, uh, Eddie Jones, the, the guy with the, you know, the, the alcohol problem, yeah. Because um, he was he was Jonathan Kent in the Lois and Clark 
series. That's that's the main thing. Uh, I, the, I grew the up Dean with Kane. Him. Oh, Dean Yeah, Kane. the oh, Dean Kane Superman show. He was he was uh, Pa Kent. Um, so yeah, the main guy when I looked him up is like, did this guy ever work again? He he yeah. he does work regularly. Work just fine. But he also took uh, time off to like s- sail around the world on like a trawler ship or something. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Guest three eight eight nine four two four. Not to be confused with guest three four one. <laughs> I was talking earlier. Says Hollywood used to be called something else. I think you're referring to Hollywood Land, which is referenced in this movie. Or? Yeah. And then so, they tried to say Coanga like, Hills, and they got kind of yeah, dazzlingly pretty, for, close to spelling. I'm Coanga. guessing you're a non-native, but that's a pretty close approximation of Coanga. Um, by the way, fun fact: uh, Coanga Tahunga. Push that U behind the H. That's yeah. all you need to do. Here's, here's a fun thing from being a, a docent at the Tahunga Museum for a while. Uh, fun fact about Los Angeles. Uh, Coenga, Tahunga, all the ungas that uh, we have. <laughs> it sounds Spanish, not Spanish. It's actually the Native American language from around here. No uh, way. Unga means place of. So, so it's ka. So ka, I know that. I know that Tahunga means the place of the old woman. Hmm. Um, I don't know what ka means, but it means place of the something or other. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. So. Who knew? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, oh, God. <laughs> Steve James needs to do a Trace Stokes doc. Yeah, so can I have the cancer and lose half my face and do that 30 years from now like Roger Ebert did? It doesn't have, I don't think there's enough material to do a documentary about me just yet. Not yet. Not yet, but after I lose half my face and all that. It's just an entire documentary of Trey being like, you know, Coenga and Tahunga. Yeah, Spanish. that's right. But, it's just but in fact, two hours of me just talking bullshit. Yeah, in uh, Cliff Clavin in the whole time. Trey Stokes. So, well, to actually, to actually answer... Um, Guests, whatever's actual Three, eight, eight, nine, two, four. It's yeah, not yeah. that hard. It's, yeah. it's, what is, no, he he said. Uh, don't insult the guy. It's, yeah, it's, it's Hollywood Frank used to be O three or as ASU Frank oh, okay. ASU oh, three, okay. but he didn't change his. Okay, get uh, on that. Anyway, yeah. So your actual Frank. question is: Hollywood used to be called something else. The Hollywood sign uh, started life actually as an advertisement for a real estate development up in the Hollywood Hills there that was called Hollywood Land. So the sign was built to say Hollywood Lands. This is come buy a house in this development which is really tacky if you think about it yeah it's super tacky yeah, yeah. Welcome, to the, welcome to the well, 30s well welcome to los angeles too yeah exactly uh so that that was its original life and then it over time it just became you know a symbol of the whole place uh and then in the beginning yeah it, it was the full sign said hollywood land uh and then it the thing fell out of dis- uh, out of repair, right? And then the, yeah. the yeah, land they, part was, was just unsalvageable. They, they threw it on a hill because no one cared, and yeah. then it just sat there for decades yeah. and fell down. And they said, "Who? Well, uh, well, you know, it's not really our problem anymore. <laughs> and so it just became this thing that was on the hill. Yeah. Permanent, uh, pinned it down. But trash. at the same time, Hollywood became this euphemism for the movie industry. Yeah. Right. And then people came, started coming to see the sign and were like, oh, it's like cultural now. And yeah, so, it's a yeah. thing. So. so, yeah, at some point, the lands part fell down and it just became Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, people but, didn't call the movie industry Hollywood land, but Hollywood stuck as a, yeah. as a name for the zone, for the area. Yeah. So, but you're asking the Coinga Hills. Coinga Hills is really more what the Hollywood sign is on. That's yeah, the Hollywood sign isn't on the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. that's kind of, I know that's confusing, but colloquially, maybe, but no, that, that's not the Hollywood yeah. Hills. So, yeah. Coenga Pass is the, the the valley between those hills and the Hollywood Hills and, and so on. So. Which which I just found out recently that, you know, Coenga, it sounds Spanish. <laughs> Sorry. Actually Native American. Yeah. Means place of. This, this trope always bothers me where it's like there's this whole scene and they pretend like they shot it in one take well, that needed to go right. In the era, they, in this era, they would. It's a, it's well, a, I suppose, it's a yeah. little pushed, but you know, a fight scene would be like a big old camera on a crane mm. and follow Errol Flynn up the, up the, up the, 
staircase if you that's could. That's true. That's true. They and wouldn't. this is very much recreating an Errol Flynn. And, and of course, this is very much a trope about Errol Flynn, who was rumored to be a Nazi spy. So so this he's very much doing Errol Flynn here. I miss that rumor. It's, that's exciting. Well, yeah, it's right up there with the moon landing. It's another bullshit rumor that, you know, apparently is not true. Although apparently Coco Chanel was. But, uh, but, um, <laughs> I, I did know that one. Yeah, but uh, so there, was, there was one of those crazy rumors. I don't know. You, you, know, you like, just look and you know. Errol Flynn was uh, actually a Nazi spy. That was a rumor that hmm. uh, existed at the time or or since. So so again, this this movie is doing a lot of things. It's taking a lot of things that are sort of in the in the in the water supply. If you're into Hollywood history, you kind of go, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. So he's Errol Flynn, who's a Nazi spy, and and there's Rondo Hatton, and there's the Bulldog Cafe. But you know, I. It's just, you know, hopefully it doesn't take you out of it where, because the movie doesn't go, see what we did there. It doesn't, you know, hit you over the head, which is the wrong way to do those things. But it's one of the things that makes me doubly appreciate the movie because I get all that stuff. And I go, that's so awesome that they they got that in there and they got that in there. Yeah. Dalton is cool. I think Dalton, he pulls us off. I like Dalton a lot. And I have to say, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my Dalton story. My brush with greatness, Dalton story. I didn't uh, know you had a Dalton story. I have a Dalton story, and it's it's uh, it's it's one of my better name dropper stories. And again, it's not like you know I can call up Timothy Dalton and go, "What's up, bro?" Because it's not that kind of story. But um, but the story starts off as douchebaggy as you can possibly believe. So this one time, I was at Ed Begley Jr.'s birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how the story starts. I can't help it. God, the- I think I've heard this one before, Trey. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on. I, I think Ed Begley Jr. told this story on Mark Maron's podcast. He did. He tweeted about it multiple yeah. times because he will not let it go. God damn you, Ed. But um, Ed Begley Jr. had a birthday party back when I was at the time, which wasn't right around this time. He was, it was, would have been right around the, almost exactly this time, as a matter of fact. Um, I happen to be dating an actress who knows people like Ed Begley Jr. And so she said, hey, Ed Begley Jr. is having this big group party at a roller rink in the Valley, I think it was. And so, I, yeah, let's do that. So we go to this. Yeah, let's go to Ed Begley Jr.'s roller rink We party. go to Ed Begley Jr.'s roller skating get together. And here and he's bought out the whole roller rink. And it's at night, and he's having this whole event at this roller rink. And I can't even remember all the people who were at this goddamn roller rink for Ed Begley Jr.'s birthday party. But it was a lot of famous people. Um, and so I was just kind of like, wow, this is the most interesting of Ed Begley Jr.'s birthday parties I've ever been to. It's fantastic. <laughs> this is top five. This is way up there. And uh, so, you know, we go over, we say, hey to Ed, how you doing? You know, and we we look, oh, look, there's so-and-so, and there's so-and-so, and, you know, blah 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 And people are skating. I don't skate. My girlfriend at the time skated. She went out and skated. I, I, I will watch. Because um, I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to go out there and look like an asshole at Begley Jr.'s watching. What are you kidding me? Um, but here's what happened. It's such a weird story already. I know. But here's this is, I, if you don't, I, I have to I, you know, just, just, just understand. Like, I don't care what you think about James Bond. You have to love Timothy Dalton after I finish this story. Like I do. And I'll tell you why. Um, so I go to the, you know, there's like a mesh you know, thing where you can sit there like a prisoner and look at people having fun skating. If you're not a skater yourself, you go to this literally chain link fence and put your face up to it. Right. So I'm watching people skate and, you know, and of course people brought their kids and families and stuff. So there's kids out there too. And just people ran. And so, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes goes by, you know, <laughs> oh, cool. Or whoever it was. Right. You know? And, and so, and I, one of the people I recognized because he was James goddamn bond was Timothy Dalton was at this party. And I'm like, there's Timothy Dalton. He was wearing just a plain black, black pants, black shirt, you know, very tall, very lean, you know, kind of bow tie, like, Walter PPK. Yeah, you would expect. Yeah, <laughs> it was just sort of just, just black on black on black. 
Very cool, very soft-spoken, not drawing much attention to himself. Just kind of hanging out. Eventually, straps on roller skates. I was like, awesome. James Bond is going to go <laughs> fucking roller skating. I get to see this. This is fantastic. James Bond, maybe now it's different. James Bond can't roller skate for shit. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Dalton, who at the time was James Bond. I, he may not, it may have been after the two movies, but you know, as far as we knew, he hadn't been replaced yet. So like James goddamn Bond, the guy who plays James Bond is out there right now looking like a complete dork on roller skates. <laughs> he can't skate. He's clutching the wall. He's grabbing. He's like, he's doing a full on Jerry Lewis and having a great time. And I'm like, James Bond is so cool. He doesn't have to be cool. That's how cool James Bond is. But he's even cooler than that because a girl who was probably about 12, if that, skates backwards past him like zing, you know, like like total pro. And he's struggling along and she stops and she goes, do you need some help? And Timothy Dalton said, I would appreciate some help, yes. And he put out his hands, and this 12-year-old kid proceeded to tow Timothy Dalton backwards around in a circle. <laughs> well, he said, thank you very much. She's like, put your feet more together. Oh, like this? And he proceeded to get a skating lesson <laughs> from a 12-year-old girl who was towing him backwards. It was like... Uh- it was like, I hope he's married to her now. You know, I hope he waited a suitable eight years and then and married that 12 her. that 12-year-old girl was Laura Dern. And that 12-year-old girl probably was Laura Dern, for all I know. She could easily have been. It was uh, Zoe Deschanel, but but um, she was blonde, though, so I don't think it was Zoe Deschanel. But that was like, I was like, dude, you were cool when you're James Bond, but you're even cooler now. <laughs> you are always cool, eternally cool in my book. So for me, I don't care what Timothy Dalton does. Thumbs up, bravo, coolest human being I've ever seen in real life. In the chat, Rob says, that's like seeing Daniel Craig on a pogo stick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Daniel Craig getting a pedicure that's, at, at Target. That's that's that was what that was like for me. That <laughs> was just That's that's amazing. Yes, uh, do you not love Timothy Dalton now in a way that you didn't love <laughs> Timothy Dalton before? I just love Yeah, yeah, you're right. I do. Like <laughs> yeah. just that's that's how cool Timothy Dalton is. Imagine being that fucking self assured. Yeah. Where it's like, well, that's what real confidence is. <laughs> yeah. Real confidence is the ability to be a total incompetent ass at whatever you're doing yeah. and be okay with it. He was cooler than me because I didn't put on sk- skates and go out there looking like an asshole because okay. I knew I'd look like an asshole. If the story about Sean Connery, you just would have beat up the girl at the end exactly. of the story. Exactly. He would have slapped her and said, I do not need any help. Man talk. Smacked her aside. But Timothy Dalton. And then Barbara Walters would have asked him about it 10 years later. Right. Well, yes, I, sh- sometimes, I, I sometimes, sometimes I need slapping. Sometimes I need slapping. I hate little girls. Yes. Sometimes I need slapping. Anyway, back to this movie. That's better than my uh, Ed Begley Jr. story. <laughs> oh, I want to do this now. What's your Ed Begley? <laughs> Everyone has an Ed Begley Jr. story. <laughs> well, so I so I worked on his show for, for a minute and you know didn't interact with him much, but a little bit. Uh, and then a couple of years after the fact, uh, uh, Endeavor, the space shuttle was rolling through the street. So I took the subway down to, and I, you know, went and saw it. Uh, and then I'm taking the subway back. And then in the empty subway car, just me and this one other guy who I'm pretty sure is Ed Bigley Jr., but I'm pretty bad with faces. So I'm like trying to check him out, but like also like not creep him out if it is Ed Bigley Jr. <laughs> and then we, turns out we get off at the same stop and it's like, oh, yeah, you are. Okay. Hi. Uh, uh, yeah, you probably don't remember, but I worked on your show for a minute a year or so ago. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I thought you looked familiar. He said that to me. Ah. So I was like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> so no roller skating happened in your story at all? There's no. no. So all but you the- know you can ask Ed Begley Jr. about roller skating because clearly he's into it because he's had at least one birthday party at a roller rink. Yeah. 
Or maybe he just wanted to see if Timothy yeah, Dalton. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's worth it just to see if Dalton gets out there because that is going to be awesome. Bagley's pulling the long con. <laughs> Dalton can't skate for shit, guys. God, if I were rich and had famous friends, that's ex- that's all I would do with my money. It's yeah. just these elaborate long cons to. <laughs> I'll bet you James Franco's doing that shit to everyone he knows. Oh, I'm sure he, all the time. He, he and Seth Rogen are just like, I we have so much money. What are we gonna do? Franco, for like the last 15 years, I'm just going to make up Franco facts. For the last 15 years, <laughs> James Franco has been steadily convincing Jay Baruchel <laughs> that birds only come in blue and black. <laughs> like, just constantly been feeding that little piece of information to him slowly so that Jay Baruchel's mind will be blown when he sees like a cardinal or something like that. He'll think he's seeing magic shit. I thought I thought you were going to go with, for the last 15 years, James Franco has been slowly convincing Jay Baruchel that they are, in fact, brothers. When oh, that's, that's funny. You're <laughs> spring it's actually faster to say that <laughs> than I bring thing. one of their moms to go, no, that's true. Yeah. That's really true. Yeah. It's happened. So, okay, the movie. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, this movie. Uh, I was I was going to point out, I'm like, as, as a reminder to anyone watching, we're at the we're at the air show sequence right now, and, and it's all going wrong because the alcoholic, the well-meaning alcoholic is up in a plane. Yeah. Um, in clown makeup. In clown makeup. Like you do. The, oh, the everything, everything you see going on aside from when the rocketeer is, is doing it, obviously. Um, but, but all of the planes nearly yeah. colliding and Insane. stuff like that. That's for real. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're doing that. That's real stuff going on. So. That's how we used to do that stuff. Uh, someone in the chat room was mentioning, I was going to point it out. Well, yeah, the guy who said, it's all part of the show, the air show uh, owner here. This is real, by the way. Yeah, this yeah. is all. This, they're just up this, there. This is, <laughs> this is wing walking. This is classic wing walking, basically, just uh, with a parachute hidden in this backpack yeah. just to make it extra fun. But uh, the the two times he falls off the plane, he falls yeah, off a plane. There he goes. Right here. Ooh, that's for real. Yeah, he's got a parachute hidden inside that little backpack. It's it's easier than normal when <laughs> yeah. you have to hide it under a suit jacket. Anyway, this guy's all part of the show. You, he's in like like Barton Fink and you see him in, you know, a lot of Coen Brothers movies and you, you, this guy's like, he's a gangster. He's that kind of character. It's like, you see him in a lot of stuff too. I was just watching. Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. Like I've not, yeah. we're all just going to sit here watching this in awe. So I'll talk now. Um, I'm not so, I, what, what blows me away about those two shots is especially this one where he goes off the tail is I, it's not, you know, even in this movie, when this movie was made, it's not shocking. Like, to have a guy do a free fall where it doesn't look like he's wearing a parachute because, you know, sure. It's like, that's been done already. James Bond did it in at least 78. Um, and this is like, well, you know, he's got a big backpack on. It's like, it's not even that mysterious, but the fact that he goes off the tail of the plane, the way he does, yeah. it's like, holy shit. I mean, when he comes off the wing, that's okay. I can see how I did that. I don't even know how he goes sliding right off the edge of the tail of an airplane. Without sliding down first. Well, I mean, I, what, what's the plane doing at that point? Yeah. It must have gone into like this insane climb. Right. That and, you know that drop of dropping him into the parachute. Those were two little stop motion puppets yeah. that came by. Incredibly well done. I didn't even realize when I when I watched it. Yeah, but I the only the only were, way this movie's effects don't quite hold up is is the know, daytime opticals. Just some is, yeah, some uh, some of the opticals are just uh, not you know again this and I I think but certainly better it, than they would have been you know a little bit. Before before because yeah. he would have had a much worse you know outline around yeah. him and now he and he doesn't cause, really cause fire is you know yeah. fire in the edge of fire we don't you, know, you didn't have the blending tools that you do now yeah so fire in daylight star is wars about, episode eight the edge of fire yeah about the worst possible <laughs> thing that they could have you know had to do uh the ford tri-motor <laughs> yep yeah. yeah, just oh, the thing so i was gonna say randomly because we were watching cool airplane shit uh i, I i'm not recommending this as a movie <laughs> but you should rent 
Okay. Uh, oh, another you should, one. We should rent the Blu-ray of Red Tails and and uh, just watch the the, yeah. the plane for, stuff for the airplane porn. because yes. it is it is good legitimately airplane good airplane porn. It is, and there's a lot of it. Like in to, in the defense of this movie, when I'm telling you to rent it, even though don't really watch the image, it's fine. It's just kind of shitty, tepid. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Fast forward, but there's like 25 minutes of really really excellent airplane. You know, if you don't shit. like Red Tails, you're kind of racist. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Uh, that's what George Lucas said. Yeah. That's a, that's why George Lucas made it. Yeah. So there's a there's a movie out, uh, called The Flyboys, which is not to be confused. I have seen that too. With not not to be confused with the James Franco Flyboys World War. Oh, one that's movie. the one I was thinking of. Oh no no, <laughs> there's this or Rocket Boys. Um yeah. So there's this movie. I I saw it because it was at the Playhouse West Film Festival that I volunteered at, like in 2008. Uh, looking it up on IMDb, it's in 2008. It has the most amazing skydiving sequence that's all practical that i have ever seen in my life to this day uh and it's a really really excellent movie it's about you know a couple of these kids that get caught up in this sort of like mafia thing it's present day um but the like the climax is this like group skydiving practical thing where these kids are falling through the air and then the hero is falling (laughs) through the air and it's all it's all as far as i know really you know actually done uh, and otherwise, it's an excellent movie. But it's it, it says it was actually released in 2008. I saw it as part of a film festival. I, and they were looking for a release at the time. So I don't know what release they got. Um, but go and try to find The Flyboys. It has Tom Sizemore. He's the oh, only... Wow. I think he's the only actual name name in there anywhere. Um, oh, Tom Sizemore and Stephen Baldwin are the two like biggest names in it. Wow. Um, but really, really amazing skydiving sequence. One of the best I've ever seen. The best I've ever seen. And otherwise, an excellent movie. Frank, uh, Frank Isu 3, who apparently has found his login, Ta-da. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess is of an age where he, he remembers that this movie being flogged like crazy on the Disney Channel. So... Mm. They they certainly were trying to market it to kids. It certainly yeah. sounds like, and of course, it was, I, yeah, that sounds, it was, of course, that seems like part of it. I mean, the, the the first clue is it's flagged as a Disney movie. It's Rather not than a touchstone, it's, and it's not, not touchstone. It's not it's yeah. not uh, Hollywood Pictures. It's it's Disney, which means yeah. it's meant for kids. Is is their one of their is their main target? What about Rocket Man? That's a worse. <laughs> yeah, Rocket Man, very different. Yeah. How about the Rocketeer? By the way, as yeah, someone who's had to write good. the word rocketeer a bunch of times lately, but didn't invent that word, <laughs> I have gone back and forth in my head every single time I've written it. Is it like two T's, one T? I think it's one T. I always write one T and I always go back and check and it's always one T. But I always think it's two T's. Like I always second guess myself and think it's two T's. Rocketeer or rocketeer? Because like I would compare it to how you do pioneer out of the word pion, but that's not a word that I think exists. Musketeer. <laughs> It's kind of more, it's root. Is really that one is, tier? Two well, it's yeah, yeah, one musketeer. Musketeer. Yeah. One tier. Musketeer. It's, it's root is really racketeer, which is, you know, it's just, it's, it's or privateer. Yeah. Privateer. You know, being a tier is generally bad. Uh, <laughs> most, most tiers are bad. <laughs> and pioneer. Just as most rights are. And pioneer would, would has, it just occurred to me that pioneer and frontier will have different etymological roots for that sound. Even though you think that a pioneer goes out into a frontier, it's two different ear spellings. Yeah, yeah. E-E-R and E-I-R. Or I-E-R. This I-E. is the best commentary ever. Yeah, I know. It totally is. It's, I, talking about the marketing and stuff, he's like, yeah, so this Ebert, I, I agree with Ebert that you know this movie is is an homage that's a pure homage without a postmodern wink at it, which might have been part of it, why it wasn't well received. Although, 
I don't care myself because I love that it's a pure homage and it's trying to be exactly what it's trying to be. And I think it succeeds brilliantly, but maybe that makes it less, you know, mainstream. But um, this weird kind of zone that it's in too, where it's clearly marketed to kids as a Disney movie, but, you know, people are getting crushed to death and there's people getting shot and people are getting burned to death. And there's a guy who's just been folded in half on the floor here. It's like, it is, what, what, what are you doing movie in terms of, you know, it's like, who are you for, I guess, is, is certainly a question that uh, it should be asked here. Well, is it trying to do like, you know, it's trying to be a kid's movie, but then, you know, doing the same dual level thing that, say, like Animaniacs did. It's like, yeah, it's for kids, but there's all of this inside Hollywood baseball and otherwise adults jokes so that the, you know, the, the adults have something to laugh at and to to connect to you know is, is it trying to do that dual level thing where here the main story is for the kids here but there's a this layer of entertainment for the adults yeah but then usually that's where you sneak in the adult jokes right that the kids don't get as opposed to having corpses folded in half on screen yeah. so it's like you target for the kids and do do secret jokes for the adults whereas this movie's got and the large adults. areas of the plot are based on the the you know the adult uh, on on references which you don't have to know are references yeah. to understand that's good, you know that's the good thing is like yeah the fact that it's it's you know he's got a flying rocket pack and everyone wants it you know you can sort of have that although i don't know how many you know <laughs> for example and and uh you know I, I love, from a filmmaking standpoint and from my own personal appreciation, and someone's referenced it in the chat room already, the period, the perfect period recreation of the Nazi propaganda cartoons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that yeah, was great. Yeah. It's fantastic. And they don't even say, like, here's what that means, other than you see what we're up against now. Right. You know, they let the thing stand by itself. But I don't know how many, like, eight-year-olds quite got that, you know? <laughs> but it's like... Well, I mean, then, all those eight-year-olds have probably already seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. And yeah, like, oh, the Nazis, they're the bad guys from that other movie. And, well, and for that matter, it's like, we should get an eight-year-old and ask. But uh, it's like, for that matter, well, that's why those cartoons are like that. Yeah. Because eight-year-olds should be able to grasp what that's talking about. Right. Trey, I wonder if it's because his face is just... It's been molded and, and created into having an expression on it. And it's this, like, totally static sort of he's clearly using well, yeah. his muscles in the expression Any, he's making but yeah. it's just totally static any piece of rubber before you put it on someone's face is going to have that I think the fact that it's so thick and is seems like is meant to stand off of his face so it'll be large I mean when you see when you see it from the front you don't get that sense when you see him in profile you realize how big his head is yeah and I think that just means that's a lot of rubber and I don't think I you know either it's not even directly connected to him that that closely, or it's so thick that you know he just can't get much expression through it. And like I said, I I, I hate to second guess Rick Baker because hell, you know he, he knows more than me. But uh, just trying to Monday morning quarterback what I'm looking at. Are they intentionally doing a running gag with him losing his hat? Because there's the moment on the Zeppelin at the end, but then there was just this moment here, and they maybe I, uh, I I I didn't catch I didn't catch it as a recurring thing yesterday i was wondering if there are other moments that i didn't pick up on uh if they're that i don't know there's something actually when i rewatched this movie this by the way if you watch the office this woman was on the office yeah forever. it's a uh, melora harden right Melora harden yeah um, i was yeah <laughs> oh my god it is right yeah this was <laughs> yesterday yeah isn't that steve carell's real real world wife uh melora harden is yeah I think his I'm, real wife I, is one of the was was one of them. I think that was her. <laughs> He's one of those women on the show. Yeah. Maybe all of them. No, actually, it, it turns out that uh, Jim Harper is Steve Carell's real world life. Life. So, <laughs> damn it, damn yeah, it. I stepped yeah. on my just, Jim, Harper, okay. Jim Harper. Jim Harper from the It would have been funny, maybe. <laughs> here's here's what I I check me, check me on this because I, I I just sort of happened to catch it. I didn't actually 
run it back to check and see if I spotted that. But I felt like there was a little fun thing that they did coming up. See, like a shot of her to, you know, an actual reference of her uh, breast. Doubly charmed. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, and then like, you know, you've got the celebrity cameos, okay, Clark Gable and W.C. Fields, and, you know, fun stuff. But uh, the there's a moment coming up when they go out on the dance floor, there's a thing that happens or I think happens that I'm going to have to watch more closely this time to see if, uh, to see if uh, it, I was, I was right about that. Well, we'll get to it when we get there and I'll, I'll see if I was right about it. Is that Bosleth-Waite? It, look kind of like it looks like Bosleth-Waite, I think, but I don't believe it is. No. It's, it's, you know, there are, there are actors that have wide cheekbones that are very pronounced, but Postlethwaite and that guy are the only two I can think of that have very tall yeah. cheekbones. This, of course, here is Paul Sorvino, the father of Mira, who you may remember from movies. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this. You might know her from such movies as Some those. of them. <laughs> Mira, Some. Mira Sorvino, dated, dated, uh, that guy <laughs> in those the guy, movies. The guy you kids the, like who makes... Guy, the, Quentin Tarantino. The guy that was in The Thing. The guy, oh, okay. yeah, that guy that you guys like is, uh, you know, they dated him and that was a famous, you know, she was nominated for some Oscars, but, you know, who hasn't been by That's what I was looking for. I, I, I knew she was, she's uh, Romy Michelle. Yeah, Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. That girl. The Mimic. Yeah. Mira Sorvino. Nancy. Just says Nancy Carell is his wife. Oh, that's right. Nancy, it used to be Nancy Walls on uh, Saturday Night Live. That's oh, name. okay. Yeah. So was that lady her? No, no, no she, she was. She, Damn it. she was his wife in the show or something like that. Uh, uh, it's Holly. Yeah, they were together. Would they play Holly. Holly is who he ends up with uh, right. at the end. No, but I, which one uh, is his? I, I, thought, I thought she was his real world wife. Though. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, no, Melora Hardin plays the. I don't. I've never seen The Office. So. I've actually just started rewatching it, so I just went past this, the the first season where you know he. She's his boss, and then they make out, uh, and she obviously regrets it horrendously. And who would? Like, yeah, Michael Scott being Michael Scott makes a big deal. Yeah, yeah. On the no, show, no one likes that Michael Scott guy. <laughs> well, he's, he's he's an asshole. He's always has been. I mean, you just you think that he'd wise up and eventually learn something about the world around him, but he doesn't ever. He's just an idiot. I mean, I mean, people talk badly about him even when he's in the room, and he's just clueless about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a running gag. I think that Michael Scott is just the world's biggest douche. Yeah, yeah. Who are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, Steve Carell had a quote. Oh, once we're so like, clever and hilarious. <laughs> uh, Steve Carell had a quote once. It was like, you know, if everybody has a Michael Scott in their life, <laughs> and if you don't have a Michael Scott in your life, then you are Michael Scott. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. I know Michael. I know Michael <laughs> Scott. Good. I'm safe. Dodge that bullet. <laughs> this whole diner scene is kind of scary. Is this the scene where they come in and yeah, oh, yeah, they, like, try to fry Alan again Arkin? for kids? You know. It's for kids. You know, that you know, it's weird watching these movies with the sound off. Sometimes they, they fly by and sometimes they don't. And this one is one of the ones that surprisingly doesn't go that fast. Yeah. Well, oh, that's yeah. another thing. It's not, it's yeah. not a rip roaring move, but then again, actually it moves. It doesn't have a wasted motion to it. It's really. True. It moves right along. I mean, we had an air show just there. We were just talking about other shit, but uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's, it does help to certainly be paying attention to it. It's interesting that it's, it doesn't have, Big, big, big monster spectacle until they get to the Zeppelin, you know, as, as big as it gets. But even that's, Which goddamn. you know, he doesn't, other than climbing around on the outside of the Zeppelin, he gets inside the Zeppelin, he fights three guys. You know, again, it doesn't have that epic. I guess before that, we've got Griffith Observatory is as big as the movie gets. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a fun scene. But, uh, but the, it doesn't have like, for some reason, it doesn't have like those giant, it doesn't have like a giant rock chasing the guy down, a, you know, through a cave. Right. It doesn't have, down like, Washington Boulevard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They do have a, you know. C-Cord is, like, every time they say that, 
I always wonder why his name is C chord because it seems like it's a joke about a C chord, like there'd be in music, but I don't think it is. I think it's just a weird last name that I've never heard before. I, 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 it, for me, it's reminiscent of something. I don't know where it's from, but uh, C chord is a, is a name that I I remember from predating this. I movie. think I looked on IMDb and there was a reason he was named that. I'll, I'll look that up right yeah. now. Is it because it's? Because there's a C chord, well, it's not in music. C chord. We're not all musicians. No, I, I've that. never once made that connection until just now myself. So oh. it's there's I something about it. I'm not. Well, C chords don't feature feature into my daily life. So I want to say it's an aviation reference, although I can't pin it. Obviously, they they do reference Beeman's gum. Sure, yeah, they got uh, that in there. What's Beeman's gum? Uh, so it's the gum that like test pilots would would chew and use so in the right stuff uh, got, any, got any beamings yeah. I remember them all chewing gum yeah was there something specifically about it or is it just they happen to it's like when, it when, was just like their brand when I he's think. about to make the first drop in the yeah. beginning uh, Jaeger is like got any beamings all yeah. oh, right it's the like, gum right you gotta chew some beamings gum before you but that's just like it's just you know everyone smoked parliaments and chewed beamings just that was their thing yeah, yeah. But, well, yeah for whatever reason that was their brand of gum so it's the famous aviation brand of gum yeah. or test pilot. And even brand. if it wasn't, it's perfectly serviceable in this movie that that's yeah. their thing. Right. That there's their, you know, I got to put the piece of gum on. But it's also a real thing, apparently, for test pilots. Uh, see, this is, it's like an old Blake Snyder term. You never want to fry the Arkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants some fried Arkin? Well, not without ketchup. Well, now fried Arkin, it sounds like, oh, I was, it's like, what, why does fried Arkin actually sound good? It sounds like fried okra. <laughs> like, mm. Why does fried Arkin sound good? Well, if you if you bread them properly first, I like to. Mike, what, why C-Cord? I couldn't find it. God damn it. Although, although IMDb. I always said Michael Scott's an asshole. Although IMDb <laughs> is on, is on some kind of crack because within the Rocketeer stuff. They've got says, some bad trivia in there. Joe Pesci turned down the role of Eddie Valentine. <laughs> just so you know yeah, yeah. in this movie <laughs> it's, it's, I didn't nothing said it had to be about this movie yeah. I was just saying trivia it's in it's, it's in the IMDB where it says the movie says the Hindenburg went if yeah. the Hindenburg had already blown up it's like well I think I think that's your mistake Mr. IMDB trivia it's like person. you're looking through the trivia on like Wizard of Oz it's like Harrison Ford improvised the, na- the words I know yeah exactly yeah you didn't say that to me this movie fuck you yeah. <laughs> I'm tr- trivia okay Paul Sorvino is the father of Mira Sorvino. A bunch of crows is called a murder. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is trivia. Just petulant, slightly like like one too many sheets to the wind, petulant, I'm to be trivia man. It's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Now I know that. He's he's like behind a typewriter with the with this with the cigarette. (laughs) It ties into the episode we did a little while ago when that there's that one. John Ratzenberger shows up in Empire Strikes Back. There's always that little that sort of often those little IMDb things have that little sort of just that little tone of like it's like just that there's the one it's in IMDb about uh, you know it's like well they 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 say the Hindenburg was blah but the Hindenburg blew up two years earlier. It's like yeah it's it's. They call it a different thing. It's a shot of the Hindenburg, yes. But they don't say it's the Hindenburg. They call it by something else right there in the movie. And it shows up at the end of the movie. Right. On the but tri- thank on you the for-, for Iron Man. They're like, a few people actually know that Iron Man was a song. Yeah. Originally, not a comic book. <laughs> Originally, Iron Man was drawings on paper and not in any way a 3D human being. Uh, originally, the real Iron Man didn't move because he was on paper. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are 80, turns out there are 89 mistakes in Iron Man. <laughs> Most people don't catch that one. Anyway, so they're having a fight scene. It's, you know, it's, we're, we're, unfortunately, we're in this position where it's like, this is a 
a perfectly serviceable movie that is perfectly entertaining and uh, well, it's better than perfectly serviceable, but it's, it, it's, it's really well made. It's, yeah. it's great. It's a great movie. John but Arkin is talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cliff, you gotta. It, this when, plan of yours, I just I can't. I can't when, get when, on board. When with Jerry it. Seinfeld gets twenty years older, he, he's gonna turn into me. He's totally befuddled. I just what is oh, yeah, what I is the know. deal with the rocket pack? Yeah. What's the deal with aviation? <laughs> well, more just if you want to do a really you, shitty one, you, you don't uh, you don't uh, have any beamons. You can't you can't fly. That's just how it is, Cliff. You know what I had here? <laughs> well, we can, we can make nitpick. We can deconstruct the the real uh, viability of using gum as a sealant. I <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, especially someone, when it apparently someone, stays soft and yeah. moist. As someone yeah. does on IMDb, they Demon actually, gum stays uh, soft they, and moist. They quibble about the fact that gum that had been there for several days would no longer be malleable enough to plug the That's an IMDb <laughs> that someone writes, which is like, which I want I swear, I, as soon as we finish this recording, I'm going to go on IDB and rebuild that by going, well, that's because you don't know the special characteristics of Beeman's gum, which is why it is so beloved by aviators, because it's known quite well to be an, a good fuel tank fixing device. That's why they always have it with them. Aha. If you knew your trivia, you would know that. Stupid. Yeah. Hope someone lost their job for that one. <laughs> Worst forgotten movie ever. <laughs> Worst so, stupid, bad, wrong trivia ever. I feel like there's... Didn't someone come up with a real jetpack? Isn't that a thing that I saw? Oh, they, they have that, they have that, that exist, yeah. super water pump. There's the water one. one. Yeah. There's the water, well, there's the one that's been used in... The funny thing is, it was they came up with it in the 60s to the point where it was used in a James Bond film and in the Lost in Space TV show and everything else. And it's never been improved on. They still have those, but there's nothing better than that. It's, it runs right. on hydrogen peroxide, and uh, it works no better now than it ever did. And it only lasts for like 60 seconds. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, the problem. The pro- huh. Yeah, the problem is carrying enough fuel and having that fuel have enough yeah. fi- uh, specific impulse. But it was such a yeah. – it was so – Accessible that you know it was. It's in the original. It's in the pilot of Lost in Space, which was made in like 1964 or 1965. It features prominently in that in that show. It was you know it was already in existence, and it's they still use it, but it hasn't gotten any better. Actually, now that I think about it, of the, all the things that you could bullshit make up jetpack wise, Iron Man makes more sense to me than this does, at <laughs> least in terms of steering it. Because I have no idea how the fuck you're supposed to steer the rocketeer. You turn your head. You turn your head, yeah, but still, like, that's... I, eh, well, I, the real problem is when he's flying horizontally, he's not actually generating lift in any way. Yeah. So he'd still he'd just ballistically arc down. Yeah. Which is why when you see people fire in an actual jetpack, they're always they're standing upright. upright. Yeah. They're standing upright. And, you know. But hey, it's a movie. Yeah. So. It would be cool if he had like, just like little... He wouldn't need that large of wings. You know, just little stubby wings. Just well, well, and they, well they do have that. There are, there are the wing suits that yeah, are also yeah, powered. Yeah. That th- those exist. Oh yeah, I forgot about those. You know, when you when you have a wingsuit, so you have some lift, you don't need as much power then. So yeah. that works. Did you know that there are a couple of guys that uh, hiked up um, Mount Everest? They climbed Mount Everest to the top, uh, and then instead of climbing back down with everybody else, they hang glided off yeah. of the peak yeah. and oh saved God. themselves like two days worth of is that uh, walking down. I wouldn't think that'd be possible. It is with yeah. the thickness of the air up there. You you can't fly. Uh, you the, can't the, fly the, helicopters. The air is too thin. The part where you fall at first is a little spooky. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, it's just that that's because that was recent. That just happened recently. That they yeah, were, it was in like last year or two. Yeah, because I'm fucked in someone think of that before. Well, because it's crazy. It's it has been. There's there is a movie made years ago called The Man Who Skied Down Everest. That's been done. But the uh, the idea of 
I remember reading about that they were trying to get to the peak so they could do it. You yeah. know, of course, it's always a struggle to get to the peak. But that's, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of Everest documentaries and I was thinking like, okay, so you climb the top of a mountain, but then you have to leap off of it into, it's not like it's a sheer cliff. It's, right. a, it's a hill. It's a peak. So it's like, what, what exactly are you jumping off of when you get there? <laughs> it's like, do you just sort of like do a face plant like 10 feet down the hill? Like, poof. Oh, well, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen. I, I want to see. I'm going to bet they it. don't jump off the peak. They have to go to an abutment Some nice, somewhere yeah, nearby. Some and it's as good as you know. Clearing, so fine. Yeah. How how close did you hang glide from the yeah, right, from yeah. the peak? Well, technically you can't do it. So there you go. But. Went to visit Yosemite recently, and afterwards <laughs> I got all weird, like you know, one of those like weird Google tears where you're just like learning everything about a thing that you're never going to do in your life just for fun uh, about uh, rock climbing and like free soloing because I, I saw climbers going up El Cap, which it's huge it's nuts, and man. you look at it it's like oh and like you know that someone will say look there's climbers up there and you'll go no there's not i don't see any because <laughs> yeah. you think that the thing is way smaller than it actually is you're looking at like most of a mile worth of cliff it's like a person's a tiny little dot on that wall and i was like oh fuck that no <laughs> yeah fuck everything about that google 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 yeah. and there's like videos on like youtube of people who like you know they take their gopros up there and all these other things and a lot of people i mean some people do it free solo which is insane but they do it uh, but like these trips up that wall take like four or five days. No, like the fastest no. the people who there's actually speed records. And one of the I think I want to say the speed record is something like 18 or 20 hours. Like it's within one day just from bottom to top. Just Sounds climb about, that yeah. wall. Something like that. It's insane. But usually it takes people three or four days. So they just, you know, get to a certain point, kind of hook up. Uh, they have like a little sort of baby perch thing that you can sort of hang out. So you have a horizontal surface to lie down on and you sleep there. And then the next morning you wake up, you know, just hanging 2,800 feet off the ground or however yeah. I are, you know, and then you just keep climbing and you're carrying all this shit with you up this wall for days and days and days. Yeah. Fuck all of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a thing we were talking about. Um, Fuck all of Everest it. Everest just said the, the thing I've, since I learned about it, that I always think of when people talk about Everest is um, the fact that there are you know people people die trying to climb everest they just they freeze to death all the time all the time and, but a lot of them it's like 1% but but a lot of them are um you know they you're not going to go up and retrieve the body or whatever they just kind of yeah. disappear and so <laughs> there are don't. there are certain ones well exactly there are certain ones some of them are landmarks that are landmarks so it's like you know Turn you're, Harry. you're you're getting up to blue gloves and you're getting up to you know this the that and the other jacket, and yeah, yeah well, green jacket and stuff like that and there's one like, that's in a cave yeah that uh, you can kind of crash in because you, know, you can't get, get out of the storm. So you can kind of just sit with him for a while. Like, sup? How's it going? <laughs> it's actually uh, one of the things I stumbled across while Googling is there is a dedicated SAR uh, at Yosemite. And if you go Search to... And rescue. Yeah. If you go to friendsofyosar.com or .org or Google Friends of Yosar, Yosemite, SAR, Search and Rescue, Yosar. And your head. Uh, it's just this... <laughs> it's just this... Oh yeah! Huge. This, by the way, this is another thing where he's like, "I'm the Rocketeer." And she's like, "Who?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, this whole movie takes <laughs> yeah. place in like 24 <laughs> it's, it's hours." Been 24 <laughs> hours. <so. laughs> it, it, I think we passed the moment I was actually looking for, uh, wow. unfortunately. But uh, no, darn it, we were talking about people dying on hills. That's okay; it's not critical. It, yeah, anyway, it, SAR. It's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a great reversal of the you know Lois Lane yeah. or oh my god, or you're Mary the hero. Jane Parker. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're they're in love with Superman, but not Clark Kent, and yeah. she, it doesn't. She's yeah, yeah, not part of the equation. I love you. If you weren't such a they were douchebag. Would, yeah, yeah, if you would just pay attention to me once in a while, that'd be fantastic. So, and yeah. I, really, I think that overall, the you know the 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 scene I'm talking about may not have happened yet, but we'll see. But the um, 
you know, that overall, I think that their relationship is actually pretty darn well developed. You know, it's like, I, I think that, uh, you know, she's, like I said, she's, she's got a job. She has a career. She's trying to, you know, she's, he's mad at her because she wasn't supportive enough, yeah. which is played as his flaw. Yeah. But she's like, I was working. I was doing something that was important to me and I wanted to be there, but I couldn't be. And uh, so, you know, and she, she's going to get kidnapped here in a second, but she's going to get herself out of it. Yeah. And uh, through being clever and, and resourceful. So, I mean, this, this, it's pretty good. I mean, it's like, you know, it may not, may not be passing no Bechdel test, but I think uh, I've seen worse. And she also, the only reason she gets kidnapped is because she's worried about him. Yeah. She goes back in to make sure yeah. he's okay. Because she's out now. And then yeah. all hell breaks loose inside and she wants to make sure he's okay. It's just her, her one fatal flaw. She's trying to get a cab in Los Angeles. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> no one does that. Yeah, that She face. should have taken the uh, uh, red car. What's wrong with your face? Hmm. You were going to finish your... Yeah, for, for, I, I just want to say, just because it happened, just that Frank's in the chat room. For some reason, there's a cutaway of Rick Overton saying, it's the Rocketeer. I have no idea <laughs> why Rick Overton is in this movie to say that one line. And I've met Rick Overton, and we follow each other on Twitter. So I think I need to probably just, I'll just ask him, Rick, what is the deal <laughs> with the that one that line movie? you have in the Rocketeer for no particular reason? Is that like an in-joke or what's the deal? I, I, I'm going to guess... He was visiting the set that day, and they were like, "Hey, yeah, we gotta." We Someone's gotta, like, gotta say this yeah. line, and no one in the movie wants to say such a cheeseball line. So, how'd you like to be the guy who says only that? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Let's do it. Anyway, friends of Yosar, which yes. this going back to the thing that doesn't have anything to do with the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just uh, it's this wonderful series of like very very many like lots and lots of essays about people who have found themselves. It, like they broke an ankle 1500 feet up or something and the answer is that we leave them there to die we have to figure out a way to get them off of the fucking sheer cliff face but there's no easy way to do that it's a really huge ordeal there, and it's there's just Rick. an entire like series of these huge essays that are both what happened and how it happened and also like analyses by people who are like professional SAR people at Yosemite like saying here's specifically where this went wrong learn from this mistake specifically and so on and so forth and it's really I found it to be really interesting as something I'm never going to do. But mostly that period of time in my life was just me watching YouTube videos and having incredibly sweaty palms. <laughs> just like, oh, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. Yeah, no. But it's there for the, uh, for the reading if you're interested. Scary as shit. I have a great book called Death in the Grand Canyon, which is lists literally everyone who's ever been documented to have died in the Grand Canyon. And it's got to be a lot of people. It's a lot of people. <laughs> and... Uh, so, and some of them are just, I mean, and they, again, it's a yearly occurrence. Every year in the summer, people go down the Bright Angel Trail, which is like miles and miles. Oh, we're just, look, we can walk all the way down this trail to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And it's a thousand degrees and they don't take any water or any shit like that. And they fucking die on the way back up because they just, they pull those guys out every day. Huh. So it's just, you know, don't be doing that. That's, yeah. No. <laughs> Tommy guns are the coolest thing ever. This whole sequence kind of reminds me of the mask in terms of other throwbacky '30s looking things with Tommy guns in them. It does have that, yeah, and it's do. also a club, also with a half clamshell thing. It's just a, well, just the a clamshell given. was a big uh, was a big deal, big motif. You're really into that for a while there, huh? Well, this well, it's because of the South Seas Club, right? Yeah, I mean, that was a, yeah. that was a you know very famous. Uh, yeah, it's know, is it is it, the South Seas a real club or is it just this? I don't know. Of, yeah. It certainly is evocative of the period, yeah. if not of a specific. Uh, 
they have a very tall skylight in here. He actually, he actually becomes like microscopic. Like it's about two miles up that skylight. <laughs> wow, dude, that's a tall skylight. Come with me. <laughs> snail in the chat room. Very excited about the ice snail sculpture and rightly so. Oh, here's one of those. Great, this is snail's moment to shine. Yeah, it's like this. This uh, they'll be. This is here's one of the great transitions. It was like, okay, I see what you did here. This uh, this transition here from the mountains. Yeah, that was impressive. Actually, when I watched here, that, I was like, comes, "Whoa!" Like zing. It's one of the. It's one of the few times. It's like, wait, if you wait till the very end of the effect shot, and you match it to your live action, you can do stuff. Wow. So. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah, I didn't catch that pretty, last night. Pretty, wow. Pretty slick there, Mister Johnston. That was really cool. Yeah. Good job. So that's why the movie wasn't a success because they did the, no, the Raiders right, no. Paramount Mountain yeah. thing, but too they late. did it in the middle of yeah. the movie. Way yeah. too late. Yeah. Got to do it up front. That's why you're not Spielberg, Johnston. That's why <laughs> it's you. Not, get, it's not that people. That's why you get his sloppy seconds and thirds. It's not that people didn't come out in droves. They did. It's just that they left in droves. Yeah. Yeah. Right after they found out that there wasn't that transition. That's right. Wait, this isn't starting with a mountain that turns into the movie. Hell with it. I was sold a bill of goods. <laughs> it does start with. I mean, it continues the tradition of having the logo become the movie because it has the hangar door thing. Ah, yeah. But um, just wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough for people at the time. They didn't appreciate it like they should have. So again, we're back in the faux Frank Lloyd Wright house here. With the secret Nazi compartments. Yes, like you do. Hmm. Yeah, they, surely he could have rented a warehouse or something and <laughs> had some shell corporations or something. And all that. <laughs> well, he's got to keep it, you know. You don't want to be like driving downtown to the warehouse. I guess that's true. Talk to the submarine every time. <laughs> yeah. I got to go, uh, go down to my Nazi outpost. Bunker. Yeah, hold on. Like, you know, like, you know. It's not like he's Batman. He has to like have oh, it in a storage just, container. And should have uh, should have worked in that that Nazi compounds place into this. Yeah, really. somehow because that that would have been the, this would have been in the time that that was actually a thing. Oh, I don't even know yeah. what this is. Tell oh, that no. story. Uh, so there's this get us old, through this. <laughs> there's this old uh, abandoned compound, like literally a concrete bunker, but it's this whole complex with various different buildings to it. Uh, that was it's like if you go. Uh, towards the Getty, but if you go down the 405, get off at sunset and then keep going. Um, Start. Actually, Trey, do you remember that time we met um, uh, Steve at, and had that meeting at like that Starbucks? Yeah. In, yeah. in that area, but right you there. keep going yeah. down sunset. Everything about this entire story has been so Los Angeles so far. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Got the 405. Remember, remember we that met Steve? Yeah, yeah, that time. You need to take the 405 <laughs> all the way down. Get off sunset. You go to the Nazi compound where you belong. You actually you actually drive right by the old folks home from Chinatown. That's true. Uh, anyway, you keep going. Uh, you go into the hills and rich people neighborhoods. Uh, San Vicente. You, uh, <laughs> there's this hiking trail that takes you down into this, this compound that was built by Nazi sympathizers in the 30s who built it as basically what was going to be Hitler's command post for when he invaded for Hitler West for, for when this was the reasoning was we're going to build this. So when Hitler invades, he has a outpost to command his invasion of America from. Yeah. Uh, and they, so they were Nazi sympathizers and clearly they lost uh, the FBI busted them at some point. Uh, and then it just kind of sat. It became an artist colony in like the 60s and 70s. Uh, but even after that point, you know, it stopped being an artist colony and now it's just kind of abandoned. Uh, and there's all sorts of graffiti all over the place. But it's this 
bunker, this whole compound uh, built by Nazis, it's now falling apart. But at the time that this movie would have taken place, that, you know, there would have been, it, it was like founded by a couple of like, you know, like a rich husband and wife or something and their friends who were all Nazi sympathizers or something. Yeah. Um, but in, it's there. It's a real place. I've yeah. been to it a couple times. Up in Tohunga, where I used to live, which does not plain, not mean place of the Nazis. Murphy but, Ranch is what it's called. But might as up. well because there's a there's a restaurant which is a very old place uh, and it's still in the middle of nowhere to this day um, off on a, a hill road in Tohunga that – the story goes that that was one of these sort of that's where the that's where the Tahunga based sympathizers would get mm. together and have their you know every Thursday would have their little Fatherland meetings you know and soon it comes a time and uh, you know so, and I remember I've gone there a couple times I remember asking a waitress like so is it true that the Nazis the Tahunga Nazis used to come here and <laughs> and goes, meanwhile like a guy's like cleaning out yeah, a glass exactly. at the bar was, like exactly. staring at Trey I like, was literally expecting like a guy at the bar to like press a, you know press a buzzer under the <laughs> under the bar like neat and like would you step with us please please come <laughs> the bartender with the really thin wire frame yes glasses. exactly so you're asking questions you have some questions hello Rene. <laughs> oh, no it comes this way i'll tell you everything oh uh, no but seriously the waitress said yes yeah she said <laughs> oh yeah totally yeah totally. we have fun but no totally seriously happened. it was a it was a nazi stronghold let me tell you yeah oh big time big restaurant time, by the way stronghold. was a taco bell so now you know. Yeah. It was a Taco Bell. Taco Bell are Nazi sympathizers. Uh, I didn't say it first. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it. I'm just asking the question. Are everyone that works at Taco Bell this all Nazi sympathizers? Not even Wiki- Wikipedia will tell you that it used to be called Taco Schnell. Taco Schnell. <laughs> Taco Schnell. <laughs> which, I, I started doing the German which of course means on. place of the fast taco. <laughs> <laughs> I started well Taco Hunga. Taco Hunga. <laughs> place of the taco. Taco Schnell Hunga. Anyway, uh, what were we saying? I was just going to say, I started doing the German tree on, on Duolingo and I just can't like, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being a bad guy just learning the German <laughs> yeah. language. It's just, yeah. It's just, it's messed up for Germans to this day. It's like, you, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you seem like a nice guy, but you just sound so fucking evil when you talk. <laughs> you just do. I think I think I've told I've told the Yellow Submarine story, haven't I? So we did Yellow Submarine. We did it in English, but we the show was actually made for Japan and Germany. No, I don't think so. Oh well, I'll make it as fast as I can because there's a movie playing. But uh, we just it's weird. This weird this thing is it, it, it ties to this sensibility. Is it was Yellow Submarine? So we have the Blue Meanie, we have the King Meanie, and I was like, ah. Land, yeah, and so we originally did it all the animation with English, so we knew what we were doing. But the actual show was in Japan and Germany, so the last thing we did was we brought in Japanese and German voice actors to actually redub all mm-hmm. of the stuff, so we could actually do the show where it was intended to be done. And the King Meanie, the Blue Meanie, you know, said, "I will soon take over Pepperland," and then the German voice actor comes in and it turns into "Ich bin Hafenleisenhosenblasen," <laughs> and we all went, "Oh." <laughs> we can't put this in the show and um we had to make we had to that make sounds so evil yeah we had to make the mental leap that this was for a german audience they're used to hearing yeah that. to german audiences a guy yelling in german isn't automatically hitler <laughs> that's just for the rest of us so we actually were okay and we didn't have to do anything 
They just heard a guy yelling in German. Man. They didn't think Hitler automatically. I hadn't thought about that, but everyone that isn't German has that privilege. <laughs> yeah. You can yell in Times Square and people won't immediately think that you're Hitler. <laughs> yeah. But a German guy who's just like yeah. coming to visit New if York City, like, just like starts Gladys, yelling. where are the car keys? Everyone right. will like, want like, to call the Yeah. somebody warn Poland? They will call the cops on you. Yeah. I think there's a guy trying to stage a Nazi uh, coup in uh, Times Square. Oh, man. Uh, we all have not German privilege. That's still one of my favorite Sorry, quotes Germans. from uh, America the Book, the Daily Show book, <laughs> uh, where it's like democracy <laughs> around the world and in, in the margins it this has a quote. the best commentary ever. <laughs> in the margins it says, uh, you know, in a, or in one of the paragraphs, uh, in a lot of countries, you know, oftentimes people will shake their head sadly at current affairs and go, I can't remember a time things have ever been this bad. This does not happen in Germany. <laughs> it never does. I wanted to point well, out anymore. regarding... Uh, the he goes back and... He, it's weird that he goes... Talking about going to the mansion. That he goes back to the Bulldog Cafe yet again. He goes from wherever this is, which is out in the foothills, into town, and then back again. It's a little one too many times at the Bulldog mm-hmm. Cafe for me. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, the... I like... You know, we're talking about uh, the Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly character. I like the fact that there's the, there's the bit where she's... As they, you know, they kind of hang a lantern on. She's like, I've got to play a scene with... Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great but payoff. His, his, the fact that they're both acting in a yeah, scene, yeah. but he's failing to convince her, and she's actually a good enough actress that she's yeah. convincing him of everything that she's saying and doing. And I do like I do like the bit where she's such a huge fan, she has seen all his movies, and yeah, none she, of yeah, it's all it's working. And all yeah. his bullshit doesn't work. Yeah. So it's, again, that's that's a great... You know, it just felt like banter and people talking. Yeah. But all of it was a setup for for how that all plays out, which again is that's just good screenwriting, which uh, we need to stop and pay attention to and, and appreciate. Those eyes are large. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this girl grew up to be no one in particular. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Harvey. She actually, she actually died of a drug overdose. It was very sad. I didn't tell you it was a good story. Yeah, it's just it's just a story. Um, actually, I was I will even say it's 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 a nice little touch, and not like they were going twenty years from now we're going to get mad props from from feminists on Twitter for this. But the the fact that <laughs> and somebody went, "What's Twitter?" Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, just trust me, it'll pay off. But the fact that. You know, the the kid who idolizes the Rocketeer is a girl to the point where she's the one who runs by in a Rocketeer cosplay going, Rocketeer to the rescue is a little girl. It's just kind of like, even there, the movie's kind of like a little sharper than most movies you would think being made around this time. Or now. I had never noticed how much she kind of looks like Paul Newman. Way to go, Locke. Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn is great. I'm glad he... Even even though Lost did not end up landing, it's what it was doing. Uh, a bit lost, especially yeah. his character. Especially uh, his character. Yeah. Uh, I'm at so the end, glad. he's like, "Wait, I'm a I'm a magical wizard now. Are you shitting me?" Yeah. I don't believe it. Uh, I had four uh, good years. Guys, I guess, what the hell? So but I'm glad he he got that role for what it was worth, and that it's giving him uh, other opportunities. But yeah, but he'd like, been around even. I mean, even there was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, you know, it's uh, his big breakthrough was the stepfather, where he played a you know, it was a horror movie where he played a crazy mass murderer. He looks more like Howard Hughes than uh, Leonardo did. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Leonardo did not look like Howard Hughes. That's true. What's funny is at that time, Leonardo could have looked like young Orson Welles. He could have looked like that scene in Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, just face wise. Just got the same sort of face shape. As yeah. you know, that's true. Yeah. I just you know do everything I can, sort of Orson Welles look. He could have pulled that one off. 
But you know what? Whatever. Just in the aviator. Fine, Marty. So here's the, here's uh, the propaganda. Song. Awesome, awesome cartoon. Which is fantastic. And and not entirely unreminiscent of uh, the propaganda cartoons that Disney made in the opposite direction, right, of course. Yeah, true. Um, like the Donald Duck Nazi cartoon and, yeah. and stuff like that. But <laughs> I would love to just see a Rocketeer cartoon done in this style. Oh, yeah. In the period like style? A, the period style, yeah. The animators were talking about... Or the, propaganda you know, the or like animator. Just art, The art deco, but... I mean, th- this animation style, not necessarily the propaganda uh, aspect of it, but the the art deco animation wow. style. The animator was like, this was really uncomfortable to make, <laughs> but I had... To, but he just took it as like, well, if I were playing a Nazi, like, I, it's an acting thing, basically. Like, I'm not making yeah. this... I'm acting like yeah. a guy who would draw this. You're, yeah, exactly. you're portraying a Nazi animator. Think of it that Exactly. Way. Yeah, that probably didn't go Perhaps. into demo real. Thank you, Rob. DiCaprio looks like Orson Welles a yeah, lot. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, O'Quinn and the Stepfather. Tremendous. Correct. It's like, it's like I can't do this. And thank you, Frank, for saying Taco Bell won the franchise wars but yes. lost World War II. <laughs> but Taco Chanel is still out there. Taco Chanel Wenga. What sort of style would a German animator use? Perhaps something like Max Fleischer, which is kind of what that style actually is. I keep thinking that he's... So is, that, is his name really Eddie Valentine? It's something Valentine. There is, the the is gangster's the, name is Valentine, yeah. yeah. So, oh, is it? Oh, yeah, maybe it was Something then. Valentine. Maybe his first oh, Eddie Valentine. No, Eddie Valiant is, Eddie Valiant is, Roger, is Roger Rabbit. Roger well, I was Aww. confused. So it is... We just made fun correct. of IMDb for no reason okay. again. Oh. I, I think but the they deserved one it. one is, is bogus. That's yeah. bullshit. IMDb deserved it. Let's just... <laughs> Still, they've, they've done other things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking <laughs> that... They're not blameless in this. <laughs> I keep thinking he's Josh Hartnett. They can, yeah, they can write you know, one for us now. And you know, that's yeah. why you don't hear from Josh Hartnett much either, because they put him in like a couple of big movies and he didn't catch fire either. Anyway, so here's our Spruce Goose reference-ish, yeah. which again is technically anachronistic. The Spruce Goose didn't really start to get built for another, designed for another several years, but you know, come on. It's a nice little touch. But it's really if you know what it is, because yeah, if you don't, you go what? You really have to know, yeah. it's, which is why it's it's almost too, it's maybe a little too inside baseball for yeah. me, who was working at the Spruce Goose every day. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, and by the way, he the son of a bitch will fly. It would not. It did. Not for very long though. Well, it didn't really. It, it didn't get above the ground. Yeah, not, well, it's only true. because he didn't. You know, it wasn't supposed to fly at all. He was like, "What if I pull back on the stick?" Yep, there you go. Fuck you, Congress. I mean, uh, he could have kept going, but oh, okay. they, you know, they weren't even supposed to fly during that test. Believe me, I've seen that documentary many times because we used to show it every day. <laughs> Fair enough. Were, no. I didn't even. Know, I didn't know they weren't supposed to fly during the test. I thought the point it was wasn't that they the were... plan. It was a taxi test. Oh. At least that was the public perception. So we're just a taxi around the harbor. It's just a shakedown, and they just said, "Let's see how fast it'll go." And you know, just like in the, it's in the movie. I just it's, it's him just like, "What if I just keep pulling back on the stick?" And hey. We're Oh shit! It's flying! Like, yeah. Oh god! I hate it when this happens. Yeah. So it flies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, then that was pretty much definitely to you know because Congress is like it doesn't even fly you know so he's right. Like, so he you know he hedged his bets by saying I'm not going to tell you I'm going to go out and fly it, but hopefully that's what will happen. <laughs> no. Reminds me of uh, I forget what the I forget what the airframe was. It might have been a it might have been a 747. It was some plane, but they were doing a, like a fly around for reporters to show this jet flying by, uh, whatever it was, like it was, it was an Airbus or a Boeing, or it was a big jetliner plane. And the guy that was flying it, so the reporters could go, hey, look, it flies, it's a big plane. Uh, just for no reason did a zero G roll, just because he wanted to see if he could, in <laughs> like, a, like a 737. Yeah. Just rolls it, 
and just keeps going. And everyone on the ground was like, I could have sworn that he just, he would, did he just fucking do a barrel roll? He was just supposed to fly by so he could go like, oh, look, there it yeah. is. Yeah. It's not an air show. He just, Good plane, He just right? flipped like a 737 over. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. There was a guy that used to it's fly. It's going to go one of two ways. Yep. Yeah. There's a guy that used to fly B-52s that apparently like to do those sorts of things all the time. And Is he the one where there's like, there's like stock footage of him like pouring, like, you could, like he poured tea into a glass while doing a zero G roll and it just perfectly like stays in the glass as you're watching the horizon go like that. It's probably Denzel uh, Washington. I don't know about that. But it, anyway, this guy tried to do basically the same thing in a B-52 and it did not work out as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, B-52 gets on its side and goes... <laughs> the one I saw recently was supposedly, it's, it was always sort of the common knowledge, you can't roll a helicopter and you can. Oh, you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. totally can. But uh, anyway. If you look at the... Uh, We're about to get to the really cool part of the movie. So the Some of the army attack helicopters. The, the command... Yeah, like the, the, those kind of, sure, the high power uh, ones. The, yeah. uh, the Comanche, which they ended up, ended up canceling, but the Comanche could do some crazy ass shit. Just like a, a plane like the like the GB there. It's like there's you see those stunt planes where they literally would just point vertical. Like they just turn into a helicopter just by pointing themselves vertical and hovering. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like you have to throttle back to, to not go up, but uh, they can do it. Anyway, so here we are at Griffith Observatory, which, of course, is a great uh, period thing we still have here in Los Angeles. It's, it's rather beautiful famous. Place. Been in, been used in many, many movies. I a lot watched, of movies. I watched Endeavor fly over there once upon a time. Yep. It's a great first date place. Actually. Yeah, you should go. If you're ever in L.A., Griffith is one of the things that you can come to L.A. and do, and it's not really sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it does in the movies. It's free. They've done, uh, it and just, it's got a great museum there, just and a couple, fun. Just a couple years ago, they did this massive refurbishment on it. And yeah. uh, actually, now it's got a whole thing in the middle because they put parking and stuff like that, and they dug that dug that museum in there. But but uh, mostly, cool. but, the, but the observatory looks the same. Yeah, the observatory is still there, and then there's the museum under it, and there's uh, this cool like pendulum thing, like one of those like they have a Foku pendulum. Yeah, yeah, nice. that's us. Thank you. I was never going to come up with that word. Yeah, <laughs> it's just never in a million years. The it, I I lived in D.C. when I was a kid, and the Smithsonian had had one of the one of those first, it, first Foku pendulums. What it is so. is one of those. Uh, it it's a huge, heavy pendulum on like a eighty or hundred foot line, and. Just the the Coriolis effect or something yeah. is causing it to very very slowly change the direction it's it's penduluming in. The Earth is rotating under it. Yeah, yeah. and it'll knock down a new pin every like hour and a half, and a crowd like will gather. And they'll go, hey, it hit it. So anyway, here's that Zeppelin. That's not the Hindenburg IMDb. It's this one, which is fictional, but but this leads to a fun and, and watch just the word Hindenburg comp, though. come yeah, right over the side. Comp and uh, a little better on video than I remember it being in the theater. Mm. But what are you gonna do? But um. And someone, I someone in the, I remember this movie came up Schnell. as a topic in the chat room, yeah, and, and someone said that one of the things that broke this movie for them is one of my favorite things in the movie, which is, of course this where this you know everybody everybody wants the rocket, and this crazy turn of events where it's like well, FBI's the FBI guys and the mafia guys. All hate the Nazis. Yeah, so they, so that's, they, that's my favorite thing about. Yeah, this movie. so they join. And there's that little. It's all summed up in that little moment like, when I'm they still end American. up. They end up like you know both in the same alcove, the G man and and uh, the the non mafia guy, and they both look at each other and go <laughs> and keep firing. I think that's great. And someone thought oh, that was just stupid. It was like, well, if you thought that was stupid, then you're just you're not on board with anything this movie is. So <laughs> no wonder you didn't care for it that much. But I think it's just great and and not unfactual either, because you know. Many, there was a whole branch of of mafiosi who were Jewish, who were very much not friends of, of the Nazis. Um, you know, Murder Incorporated was a real thing that existed. Uh, they were not uh, going to be Nazi sympathizers for sure. Um, Italians would have been like, you know, what's Mussolini doing to my family back home? They were not necessarily fans either. So, 
So the fact that, yeah, it's like that, that's a, that's a quaint, but possibly very plausibly true sentiment. It's like, look, I'm a gangster, but I'm not an American. American. Yeah. That's a great moment. There's also, there's another moment uh, a little later in this though, I think where, uh, the Zeppelin starts to pull away and and fly away, and somebody's like, "No, they're getting away! Oh, they're getting away very they're slowly, very slowly getting away." <laughs> it's like that shot in uh, the Holy Grail, just where you see the guys running up on the horses. Just cut back to them. You see the guys running up on the horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. like, you're like, "Wow, really? That's making progress." Big desert. <sighs> But here we have the here comes the the iconic moment, which which, as I recall, is kind of the iconic drawing from the graphic novel. They're, they're, as I think they're specifically going for one of the frames from the novel, which is the one where he's by the flag and the spotlight and he's got the gun and he's like, you know, he's doing that pose that's coming up here. I think I think that was I think that was one of the, sort of the iconic panels from the novel that they're, they're doing a little homage to there. And it's a great, it's a great image, you know. It's, it, and it has this weird, it has kind of a weird semi-Teutonic Nazi We're losing vibe. them. Yeah. They're getting away. Well, when, when you're on the ground and you don't have a plane, then they are losing them. Except for, except for, well, yeah. except for this guy right here. So here's the moment, which is just like, dun, 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 that, that phrase where he's got the gun one side and the look in the other. That's, that's from something. Star no. Wars. I like here is like, I, I think that I would have liked them to acknowledge like, don't, Okay, you careful with the fire get, there. Yeah, watch the landing. <laughs> That's gonna be critical. It's like it's it's like he accidentally sort of turned his rocket off and landed, but that's how he needed to land. Yeah, really. Yeah. The the fact that the they don't really play that he's a threat. He's, he's hindered in his yeah, use he, he of the rocket. He can't land on yeah. that thing. You know, like you want to see him. Like I'm gonna have to cut the engine from yeah. 10, from twenty feet up and, and hope for the best. And he can't safely take off from it either because yeah. it shoots down below his feet. He literally you know? have to jump off unpowered and then and then recover. So this scene is all fun, and it's like again, it's it's kind of weirdly small scale, which I respect that it you know it takes place in this teeny little thing. Yeah. With uh, you know, I'm guessing sure sure as hell isn't green screen, so I'm assuming it's RP, um, all the way around. Unless they were extra fancy, clever, and like hung it from a scaffolding up at Griffith Observatory and had the lights of Los Angeles out, like because that's that would be the view. That's one of the reasons people go up to Griffith Observatory is to get that cool city grid view of Los Angeles. One of the few places you can get that view. So that would be my practical way of having done it is to just build that little set and just hang it. Right there, oh, yeah. while you have Griffith Observatory on your location list, yeah, you know, but that's uh, probably not practical. But, probably, well, you would have you, you would have ended up tying up the location for several more days than otherwise. Yeah, so it's probably cheaper too to just yeah, we're doing this thing. Obviously, the stuff on top is is going to be a set and a big one too. But, but but a better set to, to build than most is like so it's a big fabric bag. We could totally build that with that's some awesome. smoke machines in the background. Yeah, yeah and night, in the night sky. Yeah, we can totally do that. Oh yeah, it's well. It's actually uh, just a. There we go. Um, I ha- I have I have the Cinefix for ah, everything. There you go. On my iPad. Uh, so I'm Chris and I, I uh, have that issue somewhere too, but I just don't yeah. remember how it was done. Um, 
to we rented a this is the, uh Jim Bissell talking. We rented a backing of the Los Angeles skyline, 120 feet long by 20 feet tall, mm. that was painted for a house in the Hollywood Hills, but was the right location, altitude, and perspective for what we needed. Right. We took the backing and mounted it on a track so that during the shots we were able to move oh, it slowly in the background. So, so they're literally just dragging the background yeah. around out there <laughs> to make it look like they're turning and moving. That's brilliant. You see? Old I just school. love how in Los Angeles you can like rent. Uh, if you just need to rent an 80 by 120 foot painting of the LA yeah. skyline, you Actually, can. It makes perfect like sense it, that there would If be, you don't want to get a store bought one, you know. Because any scene that ever would have been done, like, yes, we're in a house high. That's exactly where right. they are, is the Hollywood Hills. Uh-huh. Just higher than normal, but they can just repurpose a, a background that was made for, you know, that classical <laughs> sort of house on stilts way yeah, up on yeah. the hills look. You but know? yeah, it's like, but it's like whenever like you go like, get like your family Christmas photos and they pull down like the, whatever the background site they're going to use for your little family portrait. Yeah, yeah. But, but as they're pulling down the one that you're about to use and putting up the one you just used, you can see like that glimpse of like the lasers or something yeah. like, whoa, whoa, when do you use yeah, that one? What what's is that these, one for? What's that? Like it's like a brick wall, like a stand up room, like to the yeah. improv, something like that. There's one of them that's just like, it's like it's just painted like the inside of the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark for some reason. What do you use that one for? Yeah. No, just no one ever uses it anymore. One is like the lineup with all the height measurements, like it's a <laughs> it's police like lineup. Usual like, suspects. Yeah, what is it? What's that for, Grandma? That's for Tuesdays. <laughs> one of them is just like a matte painting from inner space. What the? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, I got that one cheap. We haven't really figured out how to use that one yet. <laughs> it's good for pet photos. So here we go. Set up and pay off, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. yep. That's good work with the, uh, with the gum. Uh, honestly, if I were him, I'd have forgotten that gum was there and the villain would have just got away. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Oh, good <laughs> for him. Was, there, there, now there's the, there's the snarky version of the movie is he goes flying off and then the rocketeer goes, Oh, you know what I should have done? Yeah. Didn't even think about this. Credits. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. There's wow. a gun. Now the Nazis have the jetpack. It's, it's, it's like the, the shawarma scene from Avengers, but just at the end of it, one of them just goes, Oh, <laughs> oh, you know, this would have been over an hour earlier if I just thought of this in time. I am so sorry, guys. That was my, that was, <laughs> that was my all bad. that, all that last part was all, that's all me. I'm sorry. I just, I wanted to fight James Bond and Zeppelin and you did do. So yeah. let's not judge me for that. So there you go. And again, that's a nice little payoff that, you know, the villain, the villain obviously is the villain, but the villain, you know, even, even he gets this little moment like, he's like, oh, you don't have your stunt man. He goes, I do all my own stunts, punch. You know, the villain's no pushover either. He may be a Nazi, but he's not unmanly. <laughs> not very good yeah, at skates, he's, though. He's better at this than, than yeah. the hero is. <laughs> the, hero, the hero doesn't have nearly as much. He, he can fly a plane, but he can't punch people so good. Fly, yes. yes. Punch. Punch, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I like that we were both, uh, we both went you know, there. We both went right for it. Oh, oh, and a flare gun and a hydrogen Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I just jump. I'm like, peace. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're jacked. Goodbye. There are people who did survive the Hindenburg. Yeah. They, well, it didn't hit the ground that fast. It's just it was all on no, fire. No, it was just on fire as it did yeah, so. And yeah. some people jumped out of it and managed to survive. Plus, it lit the field on fire, too, didn't it? Well, there was nothing to light on fire. Just it burning. Hmm. <laughs> I like the It wasn't lies. It was yes, acting. Yes, it was acting, which is different. How exactly? Well, I guess in your mind it makes sense. Anyway, see ya, you Nazi. Yes, thank you, insert. Yes, we remember. We saw that 30 seconds no. ago. Yep. Just in case. And then watch it not. Watch yeah, it, really. Watch it be yeah, fine. They're watching him. He's getting smaller and smaller. Any second. Any second now. Any, come on. Any it second. just never happens. Any, God damn it. I could have sworn. I really felt like, wow. Yeah. 
So uh, that's that's totally an anachronistic thing that didn't actually <laughs> the Hollywood sign was not actually created What's by funny Tim is, Dalton yeah. falling. I uh, I made a short film a while ago <laughs> that Adam Bertacci wrote a shot with Carolyn Siegel called 1949: A Sign of the Times, and uh, that gag appeared in that short film, and I hadn't seen The Rocketeer yet. I thought it was a really funny original <laughs> gag where the land falls off of the Hollywood sign. Uh, turns out, no, it's Rocketeer. Well, it's it's Works. a bunch of things. It's yeah, fun it's, it's a bunch of times. How did Hollywood land become Hollywood at some point? You could times. you could probably do a pretty decent uh, supercut with just all the various yeah, ways. Probably so. Now, I like I like this moment. I think this moment, uh, you know, by the way, practical. Yeah, a lot of practical going on. Oh, like God. no, like literally, yeah. they were like, okay, actors is going to blow gonna up be at some you. Big ass fireballs. Better run. The you know this is until that shot there of the gyro of the auto gyro coming in. It's like. They they've done all the establishing, but they you know that that uh, PV and and Hughes are going to be like flying buds now, and all that stuff's been is hinted at. But I think it's it's a nice little like oh of course you know until that moment I, I think it's nicely nicely staged that you don't I don't think you see that coming. No. That that's how they're going to get out of this one. But of course Howard Hughes and PV are going to ride to the <laughs> rescue and do. Howard uses your cavalry. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. But Jennifer Connelly was saying she's like, I actually like that scene because it was really cold. So when they set <laughs> yeah. off the <laughs> explosions. <laughs> I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a neck. I'm wearing a yeah. gown for heaven's sake. It's cold. But th- this is a uh, model that they actually had to shoot twice. And they only budgeted for once. Uh, what happened to like the, the first, the first time? time it, no, it was uh, it's supposed to catch fire, obviously. But the, the <laughs> first time it totally burned up. And yeah. The, well, the, the first time it's supposed to, there were... There are explosions that are supposed to go off in sequence, and they went off out of sequence. Ah. And so they were like, okay, we have, and they worked, it was like a, a four-month build, and they had like f- five weeks to, to turn it around before it had to be in the, so they're like, oh God, please work, please work, please work. It sounds like the ship in the abyss that Trey told that story about, where I accidentally melted the goddamn thing. Yeah. No. Oh, right. Yeah. But that wasn't even on camera. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. That's a, uh, yeah, that was a nice guy. on our car. Oh, it's then died. Oh, it's terrible. That was a nice car. <laughs> it's a shame. So even this little wrap up at the end where Howard Hughes goes, and I'm a billionaire and I make planes. So here you go. You're like, a plane. <laughs> I like how this movie plays Howard Hughes like he's basically Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it is. It's 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 weird to me like again. Yeah. You know, he's a wise the, guy. Yeah? It's funny how at the time working at the Spruce Goose, the whole museum attraction of it kind of glossed over that peed in bottles and shit then he went kind of fucking batshit for the rest <laughs> of his life afterwards you know it's, it didn't really get into that part but and um, then he spiraled into a powerful insanity from which he never recovered yeah from which he never recovered but had all the money so no one would stop him from being insane <laughs> and he would do the craziest shit you can't even imagine and people would just go yeah whatever Howard as long as the check glitters yeah that's great it's like Prince pretty much Michael Jackson, I think, being an even more apt. Uh, I assure you, Princess Pete in a bottle. Uh, yeah, he just looks like that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, just kind of looks like a guy who would have peed in a bottle, maybe twice. Not even because he wanted to; he would have just felt like he had to. At yeah, some just point. just to you know, just to, just to get through the day. Sometimes <laughs> you got to. You know who looks like he shit in a bottle though? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who looks like they pee in a bottle. Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri <laughs> just looks like the kind of guy who at least once. Has shit like has a story about how he shit the bottle. Have you seen that? Coincidentally, image? that's the name of one of his signature dishes at his restaurant. Shit in a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that <laughs> with image? Lettuce, lettuce that that is going Beavis. around. Payoff of um, 
you know, on like DVRs, you can see a description for the show you're watching. <laughs> Have you oh, seen the, and, and no. the glitch that like combines two? No, of them? no, oh, not that. That was the next. Like someone's like, job to write those summaries. Yeah, someone writes those summaries, and and someone found on whatever their their cable provider is, or it's Photoshop, but either way, it's hilarious. Um, someone took a picture of it, and uh, it says it's diners, drive-ins, and dives, and the uh, the description is. Um, a troll doll comes to life and decides to roam the countryside eating garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I just tweeted today a uh, there's a thing on a, a food blog called the Guy Fieri dish generator. Oh yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll just generate random <laughs> Guy Fieri like signature dishes. It's pretty hysterical. Mm. Extra sweet canary nuggets with lettuce knuckles. <laughs> Tabasco lettuce knuckles. Shit in a bottle. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so the Rocketeer. A great movie that we uh, don't really. We had talk very little about. to say because it was yeah. just. It's just it's really just, good, and you should watch it. So there's not too much. Unfortunately, to we say. didn't spoil much of it, but this kind of <laughs> yeah. So there's that to talk about. I, well, I, see, I was really interested in what Alan Arkin is saying here. I wish they he's had just the favoring the that. fuel. Yeah, well, he's talking. He's fuel. Hey, Goose, you want to have a look? Hey, someone to listen to me. Yeah, hey, hey, Goose. No. Oh God, Goose is dead. <laughs> Damn you, Ice Man. <laughs> <laughs> this has been what do you do movie? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I have to finish. We have to finish Rocketeer the fucking episode. Rocketeer to the rescue! Um, See, it's no. a little girl who idolizes the Rocketeer. It's so progressive. This movie was a delight when I. I yeah. By the way, it, and it should when be you watch for you it, too. You should watch it when you watch it on DVD. It just changed aspect ratio just now. Uh, our this seemed like it was. Did, they, did we just change aspect? Because it changed no. aspect on HBO Go. It was sixteen by nine the whole time, and then the last shot was in cinema because obviously the last shot was going to fade into the titles. But I. So that's cropped on HBO Go then? It's yep. it's Let's either cropped up. or it's been opened up because I know that there's a version of Fight Club that's taller than it should be able to have been magically on Netflix or HBO Go or one of those sites where it's, it, they didn't they didn't take the wide Fight Club and then just shave the edges off to make it that aspect. They opened up from the cinema somehow. So maybe... Well, that's, that's well, some, sometimes some movies are released as that. that. Yeah. Some movies are released that way where you, you do it both ways. It's like it might be this, it might be... That just seems which is a nightmare to try and I see, yeah, do post on. Exactly. But that happens. Uh, in any case, but uh, yeah. Hey, there you go. There's our makeup created by. Uh, but I, I know. This was a fun little thing to discover. The, um, it, it the, guy, up- the guy who received that, that gift of the Rocketeer, whose party I was at, worked for Rick Baker. So it was kind of all was in that whole loop of, uh, oh, Rick Baker did that makeup. Hmm. It's a shame it's not impressive. Uh, I don't know oh. what to say about it. Anyway, go, it's, go there's ahead. not a lot of movies that are like near and dear to people's hearts and they've watched them and loved them since childhood that you can watch for the first time when you're not a child and <laughs> yeah. they and they're fine and great uh, and this was one of them and go rocketeer and I, cool i, I yeah. too think that it does not deserve like if if it's not going to be an indie or a back to the future or something yeah. like that it doesn't deserve to like be the rocketeer yeah. why like, do you shit. people remember the goonies and not this yeah. that's a fair question what in the hell maybe it doesn't deserve yeah. to be indiana jones but it should it doesn't deserve to be goddamn like forgotten Waterworld movie like yeah. come on guys ken ralston ken ralston, ken ralston you guys anyway yeah. ken ralston brian patty blow yeah renaissance man renaissance man uh like i said at the beginning i'm really glad this held up um yeah. and yeah i'm i'm surprised i'm surprised <laughs> Frankly, Diane, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm, su- <laughs> I'm surprised that, uh, you know, even having seen it and enjoying it as a kid, you know, being the target audience and, and loving it at the time of 1991, that it still didn't stick to me for whatever reason. I, I, and I can't explain it. Um, 
Uh, shit in a bottle. Shit in a bottle. Shit in a bottle. But I, 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 I think I'm going to come Celtics. back to this one um, fairly soon. I think I think this is a good candidate for like when you're when you're cleaning your room or something and you need <laughs> something on in the background. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think this is a solid a solid choice. Mike, shit in a bottle. Uh, okay, if I must. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think we came up it with a number Howard. of reasons that uh, it that. It it hasn't necessarily uh, clicked or landed, but uh, but who honestly knows? Nobody. Um, and, and as as Trey said, that's what drives people crazy in, in Hollywood. Constantly. We did everything right. I Nobody know. knows anything. Go go over there and sit next to Edge of Tomorrow. We don't fucking know. Yeah. Sometimes you don't fucking know. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I don't really see myself revisiting it, but I would certainly recommend it to people. It's like eh, I never saw that. Oh well. That's worth watching. That's certainly worth watching, especially from um, especially from an effects standpoint, because some of it is really astounding for yeah for its and time. practical. Effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart getting a credit. That's what he dreamed. That's what he dreamed <laughs> of. You guys finally made it. Doc Sub is asking if Joe Johnston has been assigned to a Star Wars movie. I think if anyone would go, just don't give me a Star Wars movie. It would be Joe Johnston <laughs> because I worked on all the. I just I drew. I directed those movies. 10 times originally already because I drew all the storyboards. So just anything but a Star Wars movie. Can I do the period 30s thing? That would be fun. Can I do a dinosaur one? One of those. Can I please do it? Anything else? Anything but those. I, I saw it's like it's like anyone else in their career. It's like I started my career doing Star Wars movies. I don't want to like come full circle. That would be like I've done nothing with my life. Yeah, he's the only guy in the film business who hasn't spent the last 30 years trying to work on a Star Wars movie. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he, he and Phil Tippett. It feels like Spielberg. Phil's like anything but another Star Wars movie, man. I did that. That's over with. Give me some dinosaurs or some shit. Yeah, Trey, shit in a bottle. Sure, no, my pleasure. I again, I, as I said at the top, I I was pleased. You know, I, I always knew this was a good, solid movie. But unlike some movies that are twenty going on twenty five years old, you go know, well. That's good for its time, or you know, you have to look at it through the haze of you know of of memory or whatever. I think the Rocketeer totally stands up, and it's you know once again like as we have said many times, it's a period piece already. And it was a good period piece, so it doesn't have that problem. So it doesn't, you know, it's it's aged well in that respect. But I think it's I think it's a great I think it's a great great freaking movie. And I it's we didn't crack the problem of why it's not yeah. remembered, but uh, we need to figure that out because it should be remembered. But uh, if if nothing else, by putting this movie on and talking about anything else but it for two <laughs> hours. Uh, I think we've at least we've done our job. Encouraged a few people to go out there and watch the Rocketeer. We tricked you into watching the Rocketeer. That's right. Ha ha! Fooled you, mm-hmm. but for your own good. Third thing: This has been what are you doing, movie? You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum. We've always having the conversation. It's a wonderful community of people, and it's growing every single day. Could have cut some stuff. Friends in your head. Friends, Facebook. Damn it! Oh my! Ah, I flew too close to the sun. Twitter.com. We only get one shot at this head. hour. Facebook.com slash friends in your head. Friends in your head at gmail.com. Uh, buy our shirts. Give us money. Big PayPal button. And I'll ask where to say. And hold until designed to maintain the website. And until next time, my name is Steve Christie. Brian Finifter. Howard Hughes. The what do you do? Maybe good night. Good night. Wave of the future. Wave of the future. Wave, Wave of the future. Wave of the future. Wave of the future. I showed you guys my jar of toenails. <laughs> Check them out. You know, you could shit in that jar. Go ahead. <laughs> just cut you like best, this has been an mp3 the entire best, time best out then ever. just cut to a picture of guy fieri like <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you watch it on itunes actually it'll be a picture of guy fieri friends in your head.com <laughs> <laughs>